You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Testimonies with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Skaggs, and I'm back with the monster of a testimony. Usually, I like to do an introduction for the guest, but I think this is a testimony that you just have to listen to for yourself. What I can say is in my years of doing marriage and family therapy, I have never seen a story of forgiveness and restoration in a blended family like the one that you're about to hear now. So sit back and buckle in, because ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke and Amy Wilson's testimony. All right, guys, I am here today with Luke and Amy Wilson. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks Thank for you having for us. Having us. Yeah, this has been kind of a long time coming. I had originally reached out to you guys last season and it just didn't work out. And I'm a firm believer that God's timing is always perfect. So I believe this is the right time for you guys to share your testimony. I think if we would have done it last year at this time, we would have missed out on a lot of cool stuff that God yeah. has done in your life right. over the last year. So I'm excited to get into it, guys. And I, I don't even know a whole lot about your stories. I've just had people telling me that, hey, you need to interview Luke and Amy. And I've seen bits and pieces of your story on social media. So I'm excited to jump in and and hear your story. So we always do ladies first. Amy, let's start with you. I'm curious, where did you grow up? What was family life like for you? Okay. I um I grew up in Broadville, Minnesota. I consider that a home. Um I, mom and dad divorced when I was six. I was in first grade. Um, that was sad all in itself, um, remembering that memory. But um, I have four brothers and two sisters. Um, I, I also lived in Canby. So I was back and forth between Canby, Minnesota, which is over by South Dakota. And then, but Bravo is what I had always considered home. Gotcha. What was the reason for your parents' divorce? Oh, goodness. Um, they just did not like each other whatsoever. My dad um, is currently a recovering alcoholic, and their their attitudes did not mingle well at all. So my mom left. Yeah. What was that like for you at six years old going through the divorce? I, I don't have a whole lot of memories. Um, I just remember leaving. I remember... Um, not it was over Christmas break, um, and I couldn't go back to my first grade teacher. And she was—I don't even know her name anymore—but she was my everything. I think she was school was like my solid, from what I'm told, or from like the little things that I remember. Like home life was not a loving place, so I'm pretty sure that school was just—it was my home place. So I remember not being able to go back, and I had a best friend. Um, and back then, you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have computers. You had no way as an elementary school student to keep into contact with your friends. So knowing and hearing that we were never going to be going back was tough. But Man, I can't even imagine six years old. Yeah, like you said, kind of your world being turned upside down like yeah. that. And so what did life look like after that? Your parents get divorced. Did you stay primarily with mom, primarily with dad? From what I remember, um, my mom took – us girls, I was the I was sixth in line. 
Um, so my oldest brother was, he's exactly 10 years older than me. So he was 16, 17, getting ready to graduate. So I know him and I think two of my other brothers stayed with my dad and my mom took us three girls and one brother and moved in with her sister in Canby. And it was, um, I, I don't know how to say it without a swear word. It was a show. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, we lived there. We, um, it was a crazy time. My brother hated it. There was a lot of anger, a lot of crying. Um, and that's really, there could have been good times, but I don't remember them. Yeah. So it sounds like life really, like I said, kind of got turned upside down for you starting this kind of new life in, in Canby. You mentioned you were leaving your best friend in your old school. So what was it like transitioning to a new school? I don't even, I really don't remember that even. Um, some of the things that I do remember was um, starting a new daycare. I know mom had to start working full time. And before, I don't even I don't even know what she did. I don't know if she worked or if she was home. I don't have those memories. But um, I remember she had to work and I had to go to a daycare. And it was me and my little sister and it was always me and her. And um, we, I was quiet. I have family that tells me that I was like a horrible child, but I remember being quiet and stuck in my own head a lot. Um, I don't remember school that much until like third or fourth grade, which would have already been two years later. Um, I just remember feeling alone. Did you, yeah, did you have anyone uh, when you moved to Camby? Did you develop any relationships at any point in time where it helped you not feel like you were alone anymore? Eventually, I had made friends and stuff. Um, really don't even remember making those friends until fourth or fifth grade is when the memories really start um, staying or sticking. I mean, it was good. Um, not a lot of memories with my siblings or um, even my mom, really. I remember I was a complete daddy's girl i always wanted to go back home and see my dad but and i think from what i remember my mom let us um i don't know if it was all the time it was a three-hour drive so i remember this long road trip all the time when we went to see him um but it was it was tough he he drank I don't ever remember him sober, I guess, um, actually. So when we'd go, like me and my little sister would want to go so bad. But I like and I would tell Luke here and there. Um, I had the number. I was six years old, seven years old, and the number for the local bar just memorized. And we'd have to call it. I don't even know what time, but we'd just ask for our dad. And they'd you know give the phone to him like they just knew. But that's... Um, small town. I hate to say it's normal, but it almost seemed that way. It was for us. Um, friends, I don't really remember them coming along until later. I'm assuming I suppress a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you you know suppress a lot of stuff. I've been picking up on that throughout the interview so far, <laughs> is that there's a lot that you don't remember. I'm mm -hmm. curious, do you know why that is? Um, I assume it's just because, like, when I was thinking this morning, we did not prepare for this in any way. I knew I couldn't. I um, Last time we talked about me doing this, I was trying to – I'm a writer. I'm not a speaker. <laughs> um, so I was trying to write down 
my whole story. One day there's going to be a book and it's going to be a very long book. <laughs> um, but it was, it doesn't stop. It, it just kept going and going. So I'm just like, I got to stop. I just got to wing it and do it and it'll figure itself out. Like you said, the Holy Spirit's just going to be all up in it. Um, I'm a people pleaser. Um, I want people to like me. Um, it's very hard when they don't. So I've spent from when I've started recognizing that I've spent my life, um, just trying to get people to love me. And it, before we came to this church and found God, it's, it was, it was always one-sided. I was always chasing my family or, certain friends and wanting them to accept me for who I was, but yet I knew they weren't. So I would try everything I could to be what they wanted me to be, but yet still be myself. So it was, it was nasty for a really long time. Um, so I assume back then that's exactly what I wanted was just to be accepted and to be loved for who I was. Um, and I'm assuming I wasn't, and that's probably why I just let a lot of it go. Yeah, I talk a lot on the podcast about attachment theory. It's something that I work with a lot in my practice. And that's basically saying that we give and receive love based on how it was given to us. And if it wasn't given to us in the ways that we needed it, we can form some pretty unhealthy attachments. And actually, pleaser is one of them. And so that's cool that you can kind of trace back um, well, I mean, it's not cool that that was, you know, your upbringing, but <laughs> right. it's it's cool that you can trace back and be like, oh, okay, that's why that was and kind of put the, the pieces together. So then as far as suppressing stuff, do you think that there's maybe some trauma there that you either don't know about or that your body has just done your and your mind has done such a good job of just we're locking that up and we're not going to touch that? Um, at that young of an age, there wasn't anything physical or anything. Um, I do know it was there was a lot of mental just because of who I am um, and the way that I like want love or need to feel love. I know I didn't have that um, whatsoever. Um, not the way that I needed it. They, I, I believe they gave me and still do to this day. They give me love the way they love me. They just don't know how or don't don't care to do it in the way that I need it, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Again, it goes back, <laughs> goes back to that attachment stuff. And, yeah. and it's not even, you know, so much blaming your mom and dad because they're just doing what their mom and dad probably did for them. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think we all have the choice as, as we grow up and become parents that we can either continue to just oh, yeah. do what our parents did, or we can do it differently. And so I'm sure we'll get into that later as far as how you guys parent your kids because you got a boatload of them. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. But so I'm kind of getting this picture, Amy, that, man, here's this little girl whose world has been turned upside down, is desperately wanting love and, and affection and attention and isn't getting it the way that you need it, especially from your dad. I mean, you got the bar number memorized because dad <laughs> is spending most of his time there. How did that influence you as you got into like middle school years, as you got into those wonderful puberty years and dating and everything like that? How did the lack of affection from dad kind of translate into that area of your life? Oh, I was a mess. Like, insert Amy's teen years here. Um, I was very independent. I thought I knew everything. Um, I spent years in between mom and dad. Um, I wouldn't and didn't want to have any sort of authority in my life. I was my authority. Um, 
and anybody in my family will tell you that I was just a brat and did everything my own way. But I do, and I was, but I also bring it back to I was a child who was a product of my environment. And had I been raised differently or had different parents, could it have been different? Yeah, I believed I definitely could have been a different human being. But would I take any of it back? Not in a second. It made me who I am, and I love my life so much and my experiences. Um, but I um, I think I started smoking cigarettes when I was 12. Um, I, I did not get along with my mom at all. Um, I, I don't have a lot of memories either there, and I assume that's because, like, every daughter wants their mother. They want a relationship where they can talk to them. And I don't know if my mom just worked a lot or what, but those – those memories are pretty much – I have some, but I, I I don't have any where she was smiling. I've, I'd never remember being hugged by either of my parents um, or I love you for that matter, none of those. Um, meals I don't really remember. Bedtime stories I never – like things like that I never remember. So eventually I moved out of my mom's. I wanted to live with my dad so bad. He I was – Daddy's girl, you would think that we would have had like an amazing relationship, but I, I actually don't even remember um, having conversations with my dad. Um, so when I moved in with him, it was a do whatever you want type of thing. My dad was not um, parental in any sort of way. Um, so I moved in with him. I didn't want rules. I assume my mom had rules and my dad didn't. Um, at, so at 12, I, my dad smoked and my dad drank and my dad drank coffee. And so the only way I could get my dad to engage with me and like notice me was to smoke a cigarette and to drink coffee or to drink beer. So I started, um, waking up in the mornings and smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. I didn't even like coffee, but my dad would talk to me when I did. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. Um, and then... So that was like 12. And again, still back and forth between Camby and Bravel. I would think I had it all. And then I'd, I'm assuming, fight with a friend or something. And then life would fall apart. So I'd move in with the other parent thinking that would be better. Um, but ultimately, Bravel was pretty much my spot. Um, drinking probably started at 13, 13 or 14, 13, I bet. I, I remember my first beer. Uh, my brother gave it to me. <laughs> And we had a huge party. Um, I didn't. I was like 13, super young. Me and my best friend um, would collect bottle caps at these parties. Like we'd literally, they were all my dad's parties um, with my brothers, my older brothers. And they were, they were everything. They, the whole town would show up. Um, we'd have ice cream buckets full of beer caps um we would try to sell lemonade at these <laughs> keggers <laughs> and it um it never worked and then we so we were like we want a beer and our my brother gave us a beer and he said do not tell anybody do not take another one this is all you get um whatever and we tried it we both like went off in our own little corner like these are all 18 year olds and we're tiny little girls and um took a sip it was absolutely disgusting it was i don't even know probably miller or something <laughs> and it was gross and we dumped it out <laughs> and um 
uh, yeah, that memory sticks. Um, and then that night went on and we had one more beer that night. So we're like, we can do this. Everybody cool does this. Our families do this. Like, we should do it too. Um, it never stopped after that. Um, we continued to try it until we liked it. Fake it till you make it, right? Um, and then it just, it spiraled from there. I think I was 13 or 14 when I lost my virginity. And then drugs started shortly thereafter. And I, it pretty much continued on that path until, until I was 18, probably. Yeah. 13, 14 was in your virginity. Again, in my mind, my therapist's mind, that has lack of attachment, lack of relationship with dad kind of written all over it. <laughs> like, were you, like, especially at that time, was it more so like, I just want any type of affection oh, from yes. a guy? Yeah, I um, I wanted to be loved. And the only way that I knew I could do it, because it wasn't being done through my words or anything. So the only way I thought people would love me is if I did something that would make them happy. Yeah. So, so in, in doing that and, and throughout your teenage years, how did that affect how you viewed yourself? Oh, I was nothing. Um, yeah, there's really no other words for that. And I was just, I was just doing life. Mm -hmm. So self-esteem was not Existent. super great. <laughs> yeah. 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 So then how did you deal with that? How did you cope with the low self-esteem? Is that where, hey, let's just continue to drink. Let's continue to smoke. Let's continue to have sex. Maybe I'll, I'll eventually feel better doing mm -hmm. that stuff. Or how did you cope? That's exactly it. Um, I would go through spurts of wanting to be the best me that I could be. Um, I ended up dropping out of high school. Um, I barely went to any of my ninth grade year. And then 10th grade, I don't remember going at all. And I was pretty much given the ultimatum, like, either leave or be expelled and just be done. Like, the school was done with me. I had um, – we were just talking about this the other day because he gets bits and pieces of my past since he came in so much later. Um, but my probation officers were coming to school to meet with me because I couldn't get to the meetings. I was in a lot of trouble. Um, like I said, um, authority was – nothing to me um I, i've sat in jail at 16 they like they were trying anything to straighten me out and it wasn't gonna happen um but so i dropped out i would go through spurts of i was a, I, my work ethic has always been the one constant in my life i've always had amazing work ethic um i think it, it probably comes back to just wanting to make people proud <clears throat> and those people didn't know me so I got to start like a whole new clean slate at every job that I've had. Um, I've worked since I was – I've worked with my father all the time. He had his own business, and I worked sun up to sundown with him doing farming-type stuff. Um, but 13, I bet, I had a full-time summer job at the potato farms. Um, they didn't care how old you were. Like yep. if you worked hard, <laughs> they would hire you. Yep. Um, seven and a quarter, I think, was my first starting wage, and it was huge. Like that was a lot of money. Um, but I, th I think I was 15 or 16, maybe 16 when I was legit renting on my own. Um, mind you, it was in a house with like six other people my age and we all didn't have our parents around and we were all doing lots of drugs and drinking. Um, but I had a full-time job. I had no car. I had had a couple DWIs, um, and I didn't have a license. I didn't have a car. 
I'd, I remember, like, I was a bad person, but I was a good person. I would wake up at 4 in the morning when I had to work a 5 a.m. shift, and I'd walk all the way across town, like a mile and a half, and with tennis shoes on in freezing cold blizzards, but I'd get to work because I had to be to work. Um, yeah, crazy times. Yeah. Yeah, man. Wow. Teenage years were a, a crap show to, to, to use your words. Mm-hmm. Uh, crap. Uh, that, I could have just said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So at 16, you're renting on your own. You're pretty much adulting mm-hmm. at, at that time. Adulting extremely irresponsibly, but yes. Yeah, and and you mentioned being in trouble and 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 the, you know the drugs and the drinking. We haven't touched too much on the drugs mm-hmm. part. Like, what what did that? Were you into like some hardcore drugs, or was it more the marijuana, or what were you? It was a, um, almost everything. I used to brag that the when I was in those ages, that the only thing I never tried and would never try was heroin, um, and then. The I think the only other thing I ne- didn't do was ecstasy, and it was just because lack of not having access to it. Yeah. But otherwise, it was um, I was never an addict. Um, and I know addicts. The word is different for everybody, but for me, an addict is you can't get enough of it. You can't get away from it. You would do anything for it. That was never me. Um, I was completely recreational. I just I wanted an escape. I wanted every if all my friends were doing it. I wanted to do it. Um, peer pressure was never a thing for me. I don't ever remember being peer pressured to do anything. Um, it was just there, and why not? Yeah, like you said, it, it was an escape from yeah. just all the crap going on in your life. So you're working full-time jobs at 16. Where does life kind of take you after that? You know, 16, 17, 18, people typically graduate school. You dropped out of school. So what did life look like? Yep. Um, So there was still a few crappy years in there. Um, But I finally came to a point where um, I had my sister living with me for a while in this really bad situation. And for me, it was a great situation, but it was my life. I was accustomed to it. For her, it was not her life. She was not accustomed to it. She should not have ever been there, um, but she was. And she, um, she, I think she was getting ready for school one morning, and she walked in on some of my friends um, snorting a line. And she was—I mean, she was little. She was like fourteen, maybe. And um, like it was over. It was like, what? What is going on here? And why are you here? Like, why do I have? you in my life right now because this is not a life that anybody should have we were all just trying to figure it out um but so me and my friend did um did some crazy drugs and got a wild hair like we're out of here um i left my sister i left all my friends except my best friend we drove together and we're like we're getting out of here we're gonna take what we have that we were on a crazy trip so we knew We had no idea what was going to happen, but we took what we could and we left, Um, made it to Kansas. And I was all in like we are. We're starting over like I'm going to get on some food stamps (laughs) like I'm going to make a life. I don't care where wherever we run out. That's where I'm going to end up. Um, But she got cold feet. She called her mom and um, she had she wanted to turn around. Um, I had 
nothing. If I would have stayed, it would have been me. Like we were brushing our teeth and cleaning up in rest stop bathrooms. Um, I think it was only like three days. But by the time you sober up and realize what's going on, like it's it's pretty crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was so mad that she made that decision to call her mom because I knew it would be over. If she talked to her mom, it'd be over. The, her mom was my mom too. It was it was just a crazy time. So. I had to go back with her, and I went to my mother's, which I did not want to whatsoever, um, but I did. I had nowhere else to go either. Um, what was that like, moving back in with mom? She was in the cities. Um, I I didn't move in with her. I just went to her home um, and waited for her to have time to take me back to, I think I went to my dad's. Um, and it was it was sobering because we were then sober for probably a week, and it was it was why are we back here? Like she and then we kind of split. Um, she she went and she got with my brother, um, which I had asked her. This was my like uh, she is my best friend um, since. Oh, when did I meet her? Maybe fourth grade. Her our brothers were best friends and introduced us at Brarville Days one year. It was the best year of my life. Best day of my life was when I met her. Um, and we were two peas in a pod. We were irresistible. Like, we could not be away from each other. Um, even through all the moves back and forth, it was those long four-hour phone calls with the twirly phones and the cords. And um, <laughs> it was everything. Um, she was my everything. But after after we got back, she went with him. That's its own testimony right there (laughs) and then um i i just i had to do me um lived with my dad for a little bit and then it was it's pretty jumbled there was there's a lot of a lot of not remembering stuff through these stages too but i i know that i had um i was when i was 17 i had a pending court case for my um second and third dwi it was a double and I had gotten it in Marshall because I lived in Canby at the time. And I had to – they kept pushing it off. Like I was barely 17, I think, when I got that. And they pushed it and pushed it until I was 18 before they finally um, sentenced me. And I knew they did it on purpose because then they could like force me to be in jail. Yeah, try you as an adult. Yeah. Um, so that was completely eye-opening. Um, so I was in Marshall. I had found a boyfriend um, who I was seeing at the time, and I had to go to jail. Um, I had to go. I was a 30-day sentence um, just right there in Marshall. I had never – the longest I had sat in jail before was three days, and I was an extreme minor then. Still don't know how you can put – a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old in jail for three days, but they did. Um, and God bless them, like, for trying. Um, but it was the worst. Like, I can't – I hate even thinking – jail is bad. Like, and I'm, I was pretty hardcore, but jail was – jail kind of broke me bad. Um, yeah, I've I've never been in jail. <laughs> and, you know, you see stuff on – you know, TV and, and the movies about jail, but take us through what does a typical day in jail look like, at least for you? Okay. I was, I was extremely lucky. So everyone's going to be like, oh, you had no jail experience. I got out for work release. 
I, again, had a full-time <clears throat> job. Um, and because of all of the – I think I had five minors as well. So I had three, three DWIs, five minors, a couple disorderly conducts, um, just something with them. Um, there was another one in there. I don't remember what it was. I Yeah, something against a police officer was bad. Um, but I – I had to do AA so I could get out at night, I think twice a week to go to the meetings and I could get out during the day for my eight eight hours of work. Um, But weekends were you, from what I can remember, I suppress a lot. (laughs) Um, The, oh, the worst was, it was, I mean, it was, you have a cell and that has your TV in it and like a picnic table bolted down metal and you have a shower and then off of that little room jails aren't made for women from what i knew so everything was orientated to men so we didn't have a lot of room at all um and then there was two cells and those cells had your bed and a toilet and your tiny little desk to write your poor me letters and um we had our own cell like someone else was in there i I can't even remember what she looked like i have no idea um but the doors would close at night i don't whatever the bedtime was the they'd clank shut on automatic little timers um and it was it was like the saddest time ever when i'm a person that's in my head constantly so for me to be in jail nothing you had nothing besides this person crying next door to you or whatever they were doing and so all you had was time to think and to reflect and yeah you really feel like you're gonna lose your mind um because you can't do anything you can't go nowhere i would never survive for a lengthy prison sentence like ever um and there was one night like you don't want to go to jail one night um because that's where the anybody who gets in trouble at night comes um some drunk lady um, got – I don't – got in trouble. They brought her into the cell. Everything clanks. Everything's super loud, um, metal on metal. And she – when they come in, the toilets are in the cells or were at that time. And so they had to open up both of our cells. So if she needed to use the toilet, she could. And sure enough, she had to use the toilet. And she is crapping and puking everywhere she picked my cell oh, no. <laughs> and it's like two feet away from you and it was i just i just cried and my boyfriend picked me up the next day to go to work and i'm just like what is wrong with my life like this is disgusting yeah yeah so coming out of jail then did you come out with like a new mindset did you like try to switch up your ways to avoid that, or what did that look like? I was already um, on the mend. Um, like I had said, they waited a long time to sentence me. So by the time I was in jail, I was already working on my GED. I moved to Marshall. I got away from the things that I knew. I was slowly quitting doing drugs. That They weren't appealing to me anymore. Um, I still drank quite a bit, but it was just because I had nothing else going for me. Um, so before I was sentenced, I, I moved to Marshall. I, um, well, that summer, I suppose I should back up just a little bit. The summer before I was sentenced, my 18th birthday, I moved to Marshall. I got a job 
at Hyrel. Um, it was a manufacturing company um, making like pacemakers and like really important stuff. And I loved it. The guy knew I didn't have a job. He knew I didn't have a car. Um, the the, man, the hiring manager guy. Um, my sister had worked for that company. So I, I'm thinking that she had given me a good word um, when I moved there. But so in the interview, I had stated that like I'm going to need a ride. If I don't have a ride – I'll still come. Like, I, I need this job. I want this job. But it, it would have been like a five-mile walk, you know, every single day in Minnesota weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have done it, though. But he was gracious, and he uh, put me in touch with someone else who worked there, a young woman who agreed to pick me up and drop me off from work um, for $20 a week. And then um, during that time, I I don't even know where my money came from. Um, but I found a duplex cause I'm like, I need somewhere to live. I had to get out of Canby. I had to get out of my dad's, um, a bunch of bad stuff had gone down <clears throat> and I, I met with this lady. So all this stuff, I, I mean, I'm looking in papers. I'm, I, I don't even know how I'm getting to these places. Honestly, my, my best friend did live there. So I'm assuming her and my brother would bring me to places that I needed to be. Um, but I called this phone number. It was this gorgeous yellow home, old, but the front was a duplex and the back was a duplex. And it was like $750 a month or something. Like I had no idea how I was going to afford it, but I knew I was going to start work on Monday and I knew the money would be coming in. So I met with this lady. I, I'm an open book, always have been. And I told her as well, you know, I'm just moving here. I have nothing um, if you would allow me to make payments every two weeks, like I will literally just hand you my paycheck. Like I, I can do this. I know I can. And without a down payment on the house or anything, she agreed to it. Wow. I, I like bless her heart. I wish I know exactly where that house is. I think they've sold it since. But even when I go through Marshall now, I'll drive past because that house was a, a life changer for me. Someone trusted me um, and I had nothing. Yeah. Um. So I move into this house. She gives me the keys. She's like, you're good to go whatever. Um, and I move in and I walk in this house and I have my backpack and I have a pillow and a blanket. And this house has a kitchen and it has a living room and upstairs it has two bedrooms and a bathroom. And I have nothing for any of these rooms, but I had, I had something that was all my own and I did it on my own and it was amazing. Um, and I had a cell phone because you don't need milk. You need a cell phone. And I <laughs> Priorities. Had, yes, priority. Exactly. And I had a pack of cigarettes. Um, and that's all I needed. I needed my phone and my cigarettes. Wow. And then, yes. Yeah, so then I had that when I went to – by the time I was in jail, I was already living several months as an adult. I was adulting. And I, I thought I was doing it very well, um, which is another reason that I think jail weighed on me that much more. Um, I was already getting out of that stage and they were going to, like, throw me back into it. Like, like no, I'm okay now. But there, there was nothing I could do about it. And I knew that. So you got this house. You're So you're out of jail. You got this house. You got this boyfriend. What happens next? Um, we did life. Um, he went – he was a, he was in college at, in Marshall. Um, so I pretty much from day one, I thought I had it made um, from what I had come from to dating a guy that was in college, a four-year college nonetheless, 
was absolutely insane. I pretty much thought I had hit the jackpot. Um, I worked two jobs. I had my full-time job still at the um, manufacturing company. And then I got a part-time job working at Subway. Um, So I was working anywhere from eight to 16 hours a day, Um, really long days, but it was just, it was the stage of life that I was in. I just, I had to keep busy and I had to prove I had my first car. Um, I got my license back when I was 18. So I bought my first car all on my own. Um, Payments were like $95 a month. It was insane. (laughs) Um, It was, it was a good check to write, but it still, it still hurt. (laughs) But yeah, so we bounced um, between a couple houses. We moved in together and he pretty much moved in right away to that one house. Um, And then that's when like my table came and then I had a bed and like all of a sudden I had everything I ever needed. Um, Yeah. And that was probably until I think we were 20. So I think we were there for two years. I hit a, a massive depression stage. Um, I like, I literally had to go to the doctor and everything and get put on uh, medication. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could work. And that was about all that I could do. Everything else was extremely depressing. Um, I had no idea what was going on in my life. Um, and yeah, so I got on some meds. I figured it out. Um, but we ultimately made the decision that we needed to move and just start fresh somewhere else. Okay. And and you're not able to identify what was causing the depression in your life at that time? I'm pretty sure I know what it was. Okay. <laughs> um, I ever, I, when I, this boyfriend was my husband, um, ended up being my husband. Um, I, when I first got with him and those thoughts of like, I can't believe I've made it were there. Um, he was everything <clears throat> that I thought I'd never have or that I deserved. Um, but he wasn't my soulmate. And so I think those all came because I felt that I needed to stay because there was never going to be, I was never going to deserve anything sure. better than what he already was to me. Yeah. And so you guys ended up getting married at, at some point? Yep. We moved to, he he would do it. He did anything for me. Um, we moved to St. Cloud. I had a brother that lived here. And so we came to visit him and we're like, let's just, let's stay. I always wanted that big. Like if it would have been, if I could have had anything I wanted, it would have been a good life that took me to Vegas or New York. Like that was, that was what I wanted. Um, so St. Cloud was way more up my alley than Marshall was. Um, so we moved to St. Cloud. Um Again, just started working our butts off um, and trying to make life work and then got married. Oh, well, there was a kid in there. (laughs) Um, Let's not skip over that. (laughs) Let's not forget my first baby. Um, What was that like becoming a parent for the first time? I always knew somehow, somewhere deep inside me, I was meant to be a mom and a wife. That was just... I, and I never, I didn't believe in God or anything. So at that time, it was just a feeling. Like, I, I knew I was supposed to be a mom. Um, and now I now I recognize it as my purpose. But, um, yeah, we, we, it was pretty much right when we got to St. Cloud, we got pregnant. 
um, I was extremely excited, but I was all, it was also extremely nerve wracking. We didn't have our life together. We were two people that worked continuously and we spent way over our means, which I assume attributes, attributes, attributes (laughs) to, um, not being happy. Um, just trying to find other things that would make us happy. Mm -hmm. Um, so we could never get ahead and I was starting college. Um, so I was working overnights. I was pregnant. I was trying to start college, which I never in my wildest dreams thought would ever be a thing. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it was a lot, but I, I, I never regretted that. I remember going to the doctor and, um, get that way. I mean, that was like pretty much the first pregnancy test I ever really took that I thought like, oh my goodness, I, I might actually be pregnant right now. And, um, I was, it wasn't anything that we were – I mean, we knew what could happen. We knew what happens when you do that. <laughs> like, yeah. babies can happen, duh. Um, so we go to the doctor, and he's like, yep, you're pregnant. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? And he's like, well, if you would like to have an abortion, I'm like, what? Like, what – is this seriously what you tell people? Like, I'm just shocked that I'm 21 and pregnant. Like, no, I am not going to abort my baby, you crazy man. <laughs> Um, but it was, it was really, it was, it was good. It was exciting. It was nerve wracking, but exciting. Yeah. And who's your firstborn? Connor. Connor. Connor will be 15 in two days. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's, I'm super proud of that young man. Yeah. Sure. His life at 15 years old is a lot different than your life was at 15 years old. Oh my goodness. His and my nieces and my nephews, like all of them, like if. And I've always said that I would be open with all the kids and they they catch glimpses here and there. Um, like if they say something about jail or something, I'll be like, oh, you don't want to go there. And they'll be like, why? And it's like, never mind. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> they won't listen to this until they're like 30. <laughs> but um, very, very different lifestyles. When I think of what I was doing at 15 and then I see my son – um, or even we have two 12-year-olds. Um, if I ever saw one of those two crack open a beer, I'd be cracking them upside the head. Um, yeah, it's scary to think about it. Yeah. And you mentioned you were going to school, going to college. What did you go to college for? I went to St. Cloud Community and Technical College. Um, loved it. It was the best the best adulting part of my life. Um, I went for legal administrative secretary. I graduated. Um made some good friends along the way. Connor was in daycare. I did all the things. Um, yeah. That's a big accomplishment. It was Coming huge. from the life that you mm-hmm. grew up in to now being a college graduate, that's a big deal. Yeah. Part of um, part of the, the one thing that I didn't want to go to college for is I knew you had to intern. And never in a million years did I think I was good enough for an office job or to wear like good clothes. I was a potato farmer. I was – my dad had a – Oh, what is it called? Custom lagoon hauling or something. It's bumping. Like, that's what we did. Um, so that was my life. And manufacturing was my life. Um, I never, never believed I would be doing anything better than that. So when I had to do an internship um, for the degree, and actually before the internship, I um, I think you could get credits or there was, I can't remember the program, work study. It was a work-study program. And I'm like, well, this is never going to be anything. Um, but Catholic Charities was hiring um, for a secretary. I 
don't know if that type of stuff is paid or not, <clears throat> but they hired me. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> I was this, you know, human that wasn't worth anything. And I was working at a in an office for Catholic Charities. So even though you didn't believe in God at that time, God was already putting glimpses into your life of, hey, like, I have more for you than you think that you deserve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy looking back. Because I remember during that time, I was actually telling people I was atheist. I'm like, there's there's nothing to this. Like, this just sounds crazy. Um, and going off of that, I was never in church as a child. Um, I was before the divorce, I believe. Um but Catholic, um, but never, it was never a staple. I never, I didn't know what a prayer was. I didn't know what a Bible was. Um, so at that time when I was, I was, I would say that I was atheist. Okay. So you mentioned eventually that first marriage ended in divorce. So kind of take us through what happened there. Um, so <laughs> yeah, there there was two other kids in there. Um we just did life. Um we had a good life. Um but it was just life. Um there was I don't from my perspective on it and like I had stated earlier I talked to him last night and everything and I told him about what was going on. Waited till the last minute. <laughs> um but um, he was totally fine with me telling my side of the story. There is two sides to every story. Yep. Um, and this is just my side. Um, but from, from way back, as long as I can remember, it was, it was just the life that I had. Um, there's nothing I could do about what was, what I was given. Um, I remember I had given him an ultimatum. We were... Um, living in an apartment, Connor was maybe nine months old. Actually, no, he wasn't. He was just born. He was like a month old. And I, we were four years into our relationship, and I said, if you aren't going to marry me, by the time Connor is baptized, it's done, and I will never marry you. And so he, he was on a tight schedule. He had a month, and he did. He proposed, and so that it was the next step it was now it's marriage okay now i get to plan this big wedding but it like and now i can look back and i can recognize that i just wanted the next thing because nothing was good enough being with him wasn't good enough having connor wasn't good enough now marriage was that was going to be that was going to be good enough and then i was finally going to be happy and understand it all and planning the wedding um on a budget i'm your girl <laughs> i know how to do that um <laughs> Got married. I I was walking down the aisle with my dad because, again, still wanted dad in my life like no other. Should he have walked me down? Probably not um, if you look at different situations, but whatever. I wanted him to. I wanted that fairy tale that everybody got to live, um, whether I deserved it or not. Um, but walking down the aisle, I didn't smile. I was like – I was scared. Like, why – why? Just because it's the next thing, is that what's going on? And I remember dad like nudged me or something because he's the funny guy. He probably had several drinks before even walking me down the aisle. Um, but he had said something and I just told him to shut up because I knew I knew I shouldn't have been walking down that aisle. Um, 
he deserved better. I don't, I didn't think I did, but I thought I, he did. I knew, but he knew as well. I also want to say that, um, never once was there a day that he did not know how I felt. Um, he knew I struggled. He knew I was insecure. Um, he knew I questioned why we were together and what our future looked like. Um, we were in a church wedding, um, but I – and we we did like the one or two classes that you have to do or whatever. And um, the, the one thing that I remember was your – like the – your love language. And that was the first time I had ever heard of this love language thing. And when we had to realize each other's um, – I, I like I didn't care what his was like it didn't make me want to try to love him more um and it was it was super sad so then how long did the marriage last it was we were together for nine years okay. nine years uh married nine together for 14 I believe okay and so when it ended how how was that for you like you said it just kind of seemed the next logical thing that hey this is gonna make me happy this is just what I have to do, but deep down, just there was that emptiness that was never getting filled and probably didn't get filled until you came to faith in Christ. So what was that like for you getting a divorce? Um, it actually, I still, we did that final, like life just was never happy. So we took a final leap and bought our dream home, um, completely out of our price range, completely irresponsible. We had three children um, and bought this ginormous home out in the country. We had to pack up the kids and move them to a different school. Um, but we – I thought it was going to be the answer. Um, we got out there, and I'm like, okay, if we're here, I can't leave. And it was always like when I had – when we had our second child, well, now we have a second child. I can't leave. And then we had a third child, and I'm like, well, we have a third child I can't leave. Like, this is these children's lives. Like, and I knew what it was like to divorce. And I, without, I never wanted to do that to my children. Um, so when we got this house, because I'm like, that'll make me happy. Like, I'll have the house of my dreams. Like, this will be great. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> Don't ever think that just because it's bigger and better, it's going to be better. It's not. Find, Amen. Find Jesus first. Um, but he, um, it was this. We moved in there in the wintertime. Um, that spring, I had found, um, even even though I did not love him like a wife should have. He was my he was my best friend, um, but he was he was not like I was not in love with him like a wife should be. Um, but that so that spring, I found messages on his phone um, between him and another woman, um, and it was like right after. I had sent him messages of the same sort, and it was devastating because now all of a sudden I wasn't good enough for him. And I, I had never thought about that. I, it was always that he wasn't good enough for me. Um, so that was it was an eye-opening experience. It sucked um, bad. But it was also great because now I have leverage. <laughs> I needed leverage. I, I could not leave him just to leave him. That was, I thought that would have been the thing I could have done um, to my family and to my children um, and to him. He gave me 14 years, you know. Um, but 
I told him that I seen it. I said, this is, this is it. This is your last chance. Um, I, we're not happy, whatever. So we went, we did that next year, um, pins and needles. And then the following year, almost the exact same time, I found messages again. And I'm like, well, I got to keep my word. Like, I hate, I'm, I'm not a liar. I can't just, nothing's gotten better. I was extremely scared to leave because, um, again, I wasn't deserving of anything else. Um, who I knew I was supposed to be a wife and I knew I was supposed to be a mother. So if I leave him, ain't nobody nowhere mm -hmm. going to be getting messed up with a divorced mother of three. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Um, so I was extremely scared. I was never going to find that happily ever after. I was never going to be deserving of finding anything. Um, but he he did it again. I said, I mean, like, this is it. Because literally I knew then at that point that if I didn't leave, it was going to continue to happen. Um, and that that could have – that would have been – what was I showing my daughter? Like, that, yeah, it's okay. Just – be with someone whether you love them or not or whether they love you or not. Just, you know, do it because you said you were gonna. Um, that that wasn't cool. I didn't want a life like that for her. Um, so we um, – it was – we decided then that it was over. We spent – we still lived together. We spent that summer together. We did things with the kids. We went on family vacations. Um and we just were. We didn't have anything figured out yet, but we knew we knew it was over. Um, my birthday came around, and it was it was on my birthday that year that it was. I had a peace wash over me that was I can like right now looking back, I can totally acknowledge that I had a Holy Spirit moment, and I was just I was just clean. I was just done. I was exhausted. But I felt really good. And I told him that night that it was over and we were going to file paperwork. Um, so we did. He had a work trip that he left on for a month. And I started the paperwork. All right. So <clears throat> signed the papers, got divorced. I think this is a good time to now switch over to Luke's side of the story here. So Luke, let's go through your uh, testimony here. Again, kind of the same questions. Where did you grow up and what was family life like for you? Uh, I grew up in a small town, uh, kind of down by Marshall as well. Uh, it was called Hazel Run. We lived out in the country. Grew up there till probably sixth grade, which was great. I had friends over, lived in the country. My grandma and grandpa lived a quarter mile down the road. Um, my dad was never really around because he was working a lot. So my grandpa was kind of my, you know, second dad. I'd go help him with cows and pigs and he had the farm and out in the crops picking weeds and doing all that stuff. And there's a little creek we spent a lot of time at, just fishing, and he'd bring me golfing and fishing, so he was kind of that father figure. So I have one sister, she's about seven years older. So I kind of felt growing up like I was the only child. And then in sixth grade, we were going to move, we sold the farm and we were going to um, move to town, Clarkfield. And then that's when our parents told us that they were splitting as well. Okay. And what was the reason for the split? Um, I guess I really don't know the answers, but I'm guessing it was probably working too much and there was probably some alcohol involved and numerous other reasons. So what was that like for you when your parents split up? 
uh, it was tough, you know. I think the split was hard, you know, obviously losing my dad, but then also the move and losing my grandpa and the time with him, you know, made it tough. So in the divorce, you went with <clears throat> mom primarily? Yep. So dad stayed on the farm. I think Noe moved and got a different farm just on the road. So we only moved like seven miles to Clarkfield, which was in town. But, you know, just that connection with grandpa, I didn't have it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, man, that was... That was a big part of your life, it sounds like, having grandpa fill that void of your dad working all the time. So moving away from that, how did that affect you? Looking back, I think it affected me more than, you know, when when I was going through. Because when we moved, we moved, I didn't have to change any friends. You know, I just moved to a different town out of the country, but I still had the same group of friends from elementary school and that. Mm Mm-hmm. Did any father figures come into your life or were you without that? Um, It wasn't for probably five or six years maybe that my mom started dating a different guy. Okay. And I'd drop in and see my dad every now and then, but, you know, it was very once every couple, two, three months maybe, if I remember right. Did the relationship with dad ever become closer Uh, Did it ever get to the point that maybe you always wanted it to be? Uh, It probably wasn't until probably I was maybe a junior in high school. Okay. I would think it's a lot closer now than it's ever been. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. What was school like for you? School was good. Elementary was good. You know, it was a small town. There was, you know, all we did was run around town and play baseball and night games and, you know, Mom just kind of said, well, be home at dark, and we'd get home at 10 or 11. (laughs) But she really never said anything. We weren't into real trouble. We did our fair share of mischief, you know, night games and snowballs at cars and, (laughs) you know, knocking on people's doors and burning the dog poop on people's doorsteps. (laughs) And, you know, it was just good small-town fun. Yeah. You know, there was never really any harm involved. Yeah. So, like you were kind of joking earlier, completely different <clears throat> lifestyle than than you, Amy, growing up. The one commonality, obviously, is your parents also divorced as well. Um, yeah. Sounds like you were able to cope with it uh, differently than than Amy did at that time, and and maybe had more support around you as well. I think that's kind of something that stands out to me is that Amy, you felt just like I just kind of feel alone. I'm wanting love. I want. I'm wanting all this stuff where. Luke, it sounds like you kind of had that. It was just in different places. Right. My mom was very loving and nurturing and meals every night. And, you know, we'd go to church. Never really got it, you know, anything out of it. But we were there just living what we thought was a normal life. And so when we moved to town, so I lost the one set of grandparents because we moved. But then right across the street from our new place was my other grandma and grandpa. Okay. So I guess maybe that kind of filled, you know, that other void of losing the other grandpa. Yeah. And did you grow a pretty close relationship with those other set of grandparents? Yeah, we saw them quite a bit. You know, I'd, when mom had to do stuff, I'd go over there and they'd watch me and stay overnight and stuff like that. So Okay. So other than divorce, kind of a, a, a quote-unquote run-of-the-mill childhood, it, it seems like, where things just kind of like, yep, you kind of a natural childhood. This is what you do. 
Once you graduated high school, where did life take you? So before graduation, you know, we, I don't know if it was the right thing to do or the just the normal thing to do, but a bunch of my buddies, we'd always hunt and we'd fish and there'd always be alcohol involved. When I was 15, I got a minor while driving and then lost my license for six months, I think it was. Okay. And well, I had to do all the classes and... Well, I take back my run-of-the-mill childhood statement then. Yeah, it got a little bumpy there, and I suppose it started in 10th grade, if I remember right. So minor while driving when I was 15 on my so-called farm permit, which, you know, I didn't even live in the farm, but <laughs> we still got it by the system. Yeah. So I lost my license, did the classes. You know, we'd drink after school. We'd drink on the weekends. I remember there was a time probably in 11th grade where we'd drink on the way to school. We'd get up extra early. We were big hunters. You know, anything that moved, we'd like to, you know, at that day you could bring your shotguns to school. Really? Well, in the trunk, of course. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we'd get up early. We'd crack a beer at 6 a.m. We'd drive around for an hour and a half before school and shoot a couple things and then go to school. And we also did that on our lunch break and after school. So, And to me, but it, like, that was run of the mill. Like, that was normal. <laughs> I think that was just what we did. Small, Small town, town, you know. Yeah. There was only a 1,000 people in Clarkfield, and there was probably 4,000 in Granite Falls where we went to high school. But we were combined, so it was... So in junior high, the Granite Falls people came to Clarkfield, so we got to meet all new sorts of people there. And then we went to high school in Granite in ninth grade. Gotcha. So there's a whole new realm of kids. Yeah. When it comes to the drinking, looking back at it, do you feel like that was just because everyone else is doing it? This is what we do in a small town. This is kind of what we do for fun. Or do you feel like losing that connection with grandma and grandpa – the, the divorce, do you feel like that played a role in it at all? Or was it more so just this is I teenage? Just, I think it's just what we did. Okay. Yeah. Just okay. running around with your buddies and, you know, hunting and fishing. And you'd have a 12-pack in the back of the car. and But we really never went over the top where people were getting in accidents and DWIs and stuff like that. I'm oh. sure there was a couple times we should have, but. Yeah. For the most part, it was pretty low-key, and we just kind of minded our own. Okay. So uh, picking up some drinking before graduation, uh, what does life look like after graduation? So after graduation, I went to a year in Ridgewater in Wilmer with a couple buddies from high school. We just got an apartment, and that's you know kind of what you did. We None of us had any clue what we wanted to do. So the same kind of thing. Uh, we all had girlfriends kind of from high school, so maybe that was part of it, why we didn't go very far. And the same thing there, we just kind of went to school, did the party thing at night and on the weekends. You know, we all had jobs. Grades probably weren't the best. Uh, one of the guys played football, so we'd go watch him quite a bit. And And then after that, I moved home for a summer. And then decided to move to Duluth and went up there and did two years of school, did UMD one year, which was kind of a big leap because I guess looking at myself, I'm probably kind of more of an introvert. So taking that big step of moving somewhere totally different where you don't know anybody, you know, rooming with 
My first place was four different roommates that I had no clue who they were, where they came from, their background. It's a big step for any introvert, I think. Yeah. So I did UMD for a year, and I'm like, this just isn't my thing. Um, And then I went to Lake Superior College for construction, which I did pretty much, I think I started when I was 15, working back home for a guy. Okay. So then that's what you ended up graduating with is degree in construction? I went up there for one year and then I found my job that summer and my boss told me you're wasting your time going to school. <laughs> I'll teach you anything you want to know. And so there you go. Went back. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you got into construction and you said you didn't, you've done that ever since you were like 15? Yeah. I remember riding my bike with my tool bags on the handlebars through Clarkfield going to work at 7 o'clock every morning. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of work in Marshall. Um, and before that, I remember mowing probably 10 to 12 yards a summer in a couple cemeteries. My mom would take me out and help me load the mower on the trailer and try to back it up, and it was a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it, and we made money, and it was, you know, I think that's where I got my good work ethic. Yeah, something that you know, stands out, you know, for the both of you guys, is just that strong work ethic that you guys both have. So you get into construction, kind of start adulting, who needs college? I can just teach you everything on the job. And Hey, I think that's awesome. So then what does life look like for you after that? So during that time, or I should backtrack a little bit. I started dating a girl like the end of my senior year. So I did college and then moved to Duluth and then she graduated two years after. So she followed me after that, she went to a couple of years of school, and then, yeah, we got married a couple of years after in 04. Yeah, 04 we got married, and we were just doing life too. You know, both had jobs and working hard and saving up, and we had a daughter in 08. So we had her and then Cora a couple of years after, and we, yeah, just doing life and we built a couple houses, you know, and lived them in a couple of years and sell them, which I'm sure was stressful at the time. Sure. You know, moving and packing up every two years. Especially and with two little ones. Right. Two babies and, yeah, working 24-7 pretty much. And at that point in time, like, did you kind of feel like things were out of balance? That, man, I'm just working all the time here. I'm not spending as much time with the <clears> family as I want. Or was... Was it just kind of normal for you that, hey, this is just how I've always kind of done things? Um, at the time, it probably was just kind of, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make some extra money and get a, try to get ahead in life. But on the flip side of it, I can see where it's very stressful. You know, two little kids and trying to work seven to five and then work nights and weekends to try to do your own thing. Yeah. How did that affect the marriage? Uh the first couple houses were fine, but then towards the end, I don't know if it was that. Obviously, all marriages have different problems, so it was probably just an array of things that kind of spiraled downhill. Okay. How long did the first marriage last? So we were married in '04, and then... Um, Towards the end of the days in Duluth, which was like 2016, that's when we, probably the last four years looking back at it, I can kind of tell there was some alcohol problems and some 
medication abuse. Um, just kind of those last four or five years, it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. And then I think we were kind of on our last straw, too, and said, well, what are we going to do? We kind of need a change. Maybe we should uproot and move somewhere else. And that's when we moved to Cold Spring in 2016. And I knew moving here would either make or break us. And it did break us, and things went south. And, you know, the alcohol and the drug abuse got worse and worse and worse. And there was some cheating going on that I found out about, and it just kind of spiraled after that. Mm -hmm. And the drug abuse <clears throat> and the pill abuse that was on her part doing that? Yeah. Okay. What was that like for you? Uh, you know, I think this is an interesting dynamic talking to someone who wasn't struggling with that, but living with someone and being married to someone who was. So what was that like from your perspective, you know, having your spouse struggle with um, some uh, just challenges? It's a challenge. You know, you want, you know, everything for that person and to see him come out of that. But those drugs, they just mess with your mind so bad that they don't see anything but that problem and they want more and more and more and it it's a challenge did you find yourself <clears throat> thinking what else can i do you know oh, yeah, I, many times yeah you know he'd try to sit down with her and try to get her help and i tried getting her family involved and it just you know everything i tried it just didn't seem to work mm-hmm you know, I even threw in the, well, if you don't get help, we're going to split and separate. And, you know, that didn't work either. And Yeah. And so you guys moved from Duluth to Cold Springs. Uh, it's either going to make us or break us. It, it broke you. Uh, before we get into that, why Cold Spring? Uh, we knew a couple people here. We both had family in the Clarkfield, Granite Falls area. And while in Duluth, we spent a lot of time driving back and forth, seeing family. So we just kind of thought it was a halfway point, you know, a good little small town that we both kind of are used to growing up in. And Yeah. So then, again, make or break, it broke. What was kind of the breaking point for you where you decided, I'm done, I can't do this anymore? Uh, I think just pure exhaustion, but I think what really – put me over the top is when I knew she was seeing another guy. What did that do to you? It just hurts, you know. You give so many years to a person and then they, you know, come back at you with that. And not saying, you know, like Amy said, there's obviously two sides to every story. Yeah. Which there obviously is, and I was probably not perfect, like nobody is, but I think that was just kind of the last straw. And so getting divorced, when that was done and finalized, what was going through your mind? How did you feel? Uh, it wasn't easy because she pretty much moved out. So then I had two girls to raise on my own. And then moving here, we, we were going to start up our own construction company. You know, so that took every single hour of my day. And then trying to raise the girls and fighting with her because she was a uh, – it was a mess. Um, it was a real battle. There was many nights I'd lay awake just worrying about what tomorrow would bring or when the girls were gone. 
you know, just making sure they were safe and there was a lot of worry. Yeah. And you, and you said that you grew up in the church, but you didn't really get a whole lot out of it. And is that kind of how things were the rest of your life up to this point? Yeah, we always did Sunday school, confirmation, um, college. I suppose there was a little break where we didn't really do church and that stuff, but we'd try to go most Sundays when we started having the kids and stuff and getting them involved. But yeah, you never really, or at least for me, I really never got that connection to God or felt his presence or, you know, the magic that he can work. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are, you know, in the story, both of you guys are divorced. And and again, another commonality was both had spouses that were cheating or talking to other people. And so I'm I'm curious how that affected your guys' dating relationship, you know, with the whole trust thing. But before we get into that, how did you guys even meet? Okay. So this is like a story (laughs) in itself. Um, Dave, my ex had come through, had come home one day and he said, um, there's these people coming to town. They're moving. They just moved to town. I'd like you to reach out to them. Um, she doesn't know anybody here, you know, kind of talk to them and (laughs) get, they graduated together. So, yes. So, um, Dave and Jess are, I I hate saying exes because I think it just sounds bad. Um, but our first marriages, um, went to school together. So Dave came home one day and he said, you need to reach out to Jess. They're, they're new to the area. She doesn't know anybody, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I told him, I'm like, no, like, I don't have time for my own friends. Like, I'm not reaching out to this lady. I have no idea who she is. You call her. You talk to her. <laughs> um, so I, and he just left it like whatever. And, um, but I really didn't. I was, I was wrapped up in myself. I was trying to um, get healthy. I had three babies. I looked horrible. I felt horrible. Um, bad time. And I didn't have time for the friends that I did have. Um, but uh, my youngest daughter, Ariana, uh, she was two, I think. And I was, three. yep, I was always part of the preschool programs here with Recori. So I, um, Ari was in that. And then one day there's this super cute little blondie um, there and Ari clicked with her right away and I meet this mom that's there with her and it was Jess. Um, so I'm Aww. like, well, look all that worked out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but so we we did that. Um, Jess and I hung out a little bit here and there. I had never met him. Um, she would tell me stories. I was an open book. I told her my stories. Um, we would watch our kids for each other. Um, I was extremely busy. I, I had quit working um, for the man for some time. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom, but I, I cleaned houses. I um, did custom cakes and cupcakes. I crocheted. I was um, selling Herbalife. Like I was all the things. Anything that could involve my kids and make me money, I was doing. I was pretty much a handy woman. And um, so I would need help. I, Dave worked two jobs almost our entire marriage to try to make ends meet. So he was gone a lot. Um, so she would watch Ari for me. Like the girls loved each other. They, they clicked super fast. Um, so she would watch Ari for me and I would watch the girls for her. And that was our relationship. Um, and it was for, it was for a while. And then one time I needed a babysitter 
Um, it was a brand new house I was going to clean, and I usually didn't take the kids with until I'd cleaned it first and like got to know the homeowner. Then I'd say, you know, is it okay if I bring the kids with? Um, so this was a brand new house, and I just could not watch Ari that day. And Dave had to go to work, and I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I cannot lose this job. This is an expensive. Like, I I make good money cleaning. I need to take this job. So Jess is like, well, Luke can do it. And I'm like, with everything you told me about this man, like, I'm not going to let him watch my daughter. And she's like, no, he's a great dad. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, now he's a great dad. Um, but again, it was one side that I was hearing and it was an angry side that I was hearing. So I now looking back, I get it. Um, but I'm like, well, I have no choice. I need this money. I And I need someone to watch Ari. Um, I'm like, I said his girls are amazing, so he's got to be somewhat decent. Um, so I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. He, we watch, he Like, I watch your – you watch the girls for me all the time. He can watch your daughter. So I said, okay. And Dave knew him so because they went to school together. Years younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Together for the most part. Small world. Yeah, very small <laughs> world. <laughs> and um, so I said, okay. Daughter off with a stranger. I did. I um, <laughs> drove up to his house, knocked on the door, and mind you, I was married at this time. I would have never in a million years cheated on my husband. Um, but he opened the door, and he doesn't remember it like this, but I sure I sure do. Um, he was in, like, flannel pants and didn't have a shirt on. And my husband um, at the time was shorter. Like, I don't even think he was six foot not in any sort of shape. Neither one of us, like, were really, I was getting there. But he opens the door, and he's just this super built, handsome, <laughs> tall dude. And I'm like, what? Like, I was totally <laughs> expecting, like. Some frumpy <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and so I was like, I was shocked. And I, like, kind of speechless, like, here's my daughter. Uh, I got I'll be back in a couple hours. <laughs> And I remember getting in my car and I'm like, damn, like he is hot. Like how, why is she like divorcing him? Like I would have stayed. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I came back, picked her up um, again, got in the car, was like, he's super cute, but whatever. And I was married. I like, again, I would never have cheated on him, but I, I looked, I did look that day. <laughs> and um, from there, Everything kind of. I think that's the only time I watched her, wasn't it? It was. But then we, Dave and I, had bought that dream home. So this was just months before that. And it was the middle of winter that we were moving. And we had nobody. We didn't have, we didn't have friends. We didn't have family. I, I chose the location we were at specifically for that reason. The family was nowhere around. And it was, it was us. And that becomes very evident <laughs> When you need to move. (laughs) So I put a thing on Facebook um, asking for help. Um, We just needed help. There was heavy things. And it was was literally the coldest winter we had ever had in Minnesota. I think it was 2016, I think, or something. But it was – we had to move and be out of the house on the – I think it was 16. Yeah, on the very coldest day of the year in December. And so I put on there, if anybody has any free time, we would love your help. Um, And guess who answered that message? Um, 
So he's like, yeah, I can come help. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to see this, like, super cute dude again. <laughs> um, but he, so he did. He helped Dave um, move us and got everything in the – well, even when we um, – on our way out to that new house, Dave drove the U-Haul truck, and you rode with me. I, I still to the to this day, I don't know why it ended up that way. Oh, I'm wondering know. if Dave had the kids or something, <clears throat> but he was coming with to help unload at the new house, and I was just, I, we just talked, and I picked your brain a little bit on your marriage because I knew mine was like leaning towards the make or break that really gonna make or break you. it was gonna make or break us so i'm like you know how's it looking like stay married for a little while let's see how this pans out um but it was just good conversation i could tell right off the bat that this man had no idea that i was flirting with him like a married woman flirting clueless. no idea well i was married <laughs> like what can i do i knew Without a shadow of my doubt that I would never – or shadow of a doubt that I would ever cheat on David. It would just never happen. But – and I even felt bad, like, flirting with you. But you were so cute. Um, and it was exciting. But, again, I'm like, what? What? A, I am not good enough for any man like this because he was completely respectable. Like, and it was like, wow, there's men out there that really are blind to this sort of stuff because i know there's women out there that cheat and he would have had no idea if i would have been that woman um so that was kind of kind of i don't know if humbling is the right word but it was it was incredible to see that um and then so yeah he moved us in um throughout this time i had realized um i had broke off all communications with jess um it was it was crazy i had no idea that she um, had problems that she was using, um, and some of the stories were frightening. Um, mm-hmm. As I got to know to know them, um, she had. I was. I mean, I was technically I was a stranger. We were we babysat for each other, um, but all of a sudden I got a call one time, and she asked me to. Um, and like I had stated in the beginning, Jess gave us complete permission to talk about our side of the story. Um, I know one day we hope to all talk together because it is – we have a crazy, crazy blended testimony. Um, but she called and asked me to tell – like if I needed to, would I write a letter to the court or to an attorney that the bottle of wine that she bought last night was a gift to me? I'm like – what are you talking about? Like, my life is crazy enough. I don't need, like, extra crazy on top of it. And I think just through little communications here or there with either Dave or you maybe um, and and her. Did we? Just in that car that one time, I think. But even with her, she blamed a lot of things on Luke. So I guess I would have assumed that Luke was the addict. Um, more so or extremely crazy. Um, but it, it, it wound up being her. Um, so I knew something was up then when I'm like, why would he have video of you with booze? Like, are you guys insane? Like, <laughs> I, I don't have time for this. It was bad. And I was just trying to do everything I could to, I don't know why, to help her or to get her in trouble so she would leave. I didn't know what... I didn't know what I was doing and why I was doing it. 
you know, just trying to get any evidence to show her that, hey, you need a you need help or you know, to get stuff at her where she'd be pissed and then she'd want to leave. I didn't know what I was doing. It was just kind of a kind of a desperate measure. It was a desperate measure at a desperate time and I was just kind of going with whatever thing I was after. Yeah, because at that time you guys were just going through the stages, I think, of your divorce. Right. Um but then there was another one that came up with um she had come over with the girls to watch a movie one night and she came with this guy and I wasn't in any stage of my life where like drugs and alcohol were a thing for me. Like I can remember getting high and thinking like whatever, one day it's going to be fun again. Um, my porch swing grandma days getting high, you know, whatever. Um, but this guy was weird. Like I didn't, I didn't know people that did drugs anymore at this point in my life. I wasn't around it. And this guy was weird. Um, I knew she was drinking a lot. Um, but I mean, these girls are amazing and um, absolutely the best thing that ever happened to all three of us. Um, but when she, she had called like two or three times and was like, what do you think? What do you think? What? And I'm like, why do you care what I think? Um, and I knew it got, I knew it was done then. Um, I told her I, th I thought he was ridiculous and not appropriate. Um, and we pretty much never spoke again then, which I was not even, I was not even the least bit upset about. I'm like, okay, whatever. We're not even there anymore. The girls will, was, whatever. I, I knew Luke's number if I wanted them to hang out. Um, after all that crazy, that was about the time then that Dave and I knew it was over. Um, I don't think I had really seen you again after you helped us move. You came and cleaned my house. Oh, yes. One time. Oh. Get payback that was, for moving. That was like the worst <laughs> thing I did during my marriage um, was that I told Luke that for helping us move, I would clean his house. And it literally was in an effort to see him again. So I guess that was like the one really bad thing I did during my marriage while I was still married to him. Um was that because yeah deep down inside it was just because i wanted to see him again <laughs> um so i did i cleaned his house but he was he was a bachelor that place was nasty oh, it, it was <laughs> i was like up on like the ceiling was all dusty you know those split level houses where the stove you had a gas stove so the ceiling was disgusting and i mean i was there forever cleaning um but i remember he had the girls there um he was waking them up for school and cora was not I don't, I don't know if it was Cora or if it was Addie, but they weren't cooperating. Um, needless to say, I find out years later that it's because, or a year later, he likes to wake them up five minutes before they have to be out the door. And like, so it was like typical single dad, but it was, I was, I was, what I was seeing was a dad that wasn't rolling out of bed with a bottle alongside him. It was a dad that went to bed late because he had to put his daughters to bed and now he has to wake him up at six in the morning to take him to preschool. Um, it was it, it was crazy to watch um, a dad take care of his kids, um, and no, not to say Dave didn't. Um, this was just different. Um, and but yeah, she wasn't cooperating, and he's like, "I are you good?" I'm like, "I'm good. Yeah, I'll just clean." Like. Goodbye. <laughs> and I 
did. And then I, so I just, I got to see him and I'm like, hmm, a little eye candy for the morning. Yes, I'm married, but whatever. I didn't touch. Um, and <laughs> don't do, do nothing wrong. And he left and I cleaned and then it was done. And then um, nothing happened. Like I, yeah, probably didn't see you. I, we went on to our Grove City life and we're living in this big, beautiful home. Um, you were in Cold Spring trying to trying to run a business and trying to raise two girls and keep them safe and dealing with a to be ex-wife that was not always a pleasant time because in the divorce as far as the custody goes luke did what was the custody situation uh, for you so at that time with the drugs and the alcohol there was a bunch of things you know against her that I didn't feel it was safe and she shouldn't have the kids because, you know, they were in harms. Um, so I was trying my best to get them out of that, to get her help so she could have them back. It was just a real struggle. And it took, it took probably two years maybe to pan everything out and get the, the divorced in, but it just was ongoing things. Because when we got divorced, the custody part was still... I think it was 50-50 at that time when the actual divorce happened. Okay. And then after the divorce, things just continued to go downhill and other stuff would come up where we'd catch wind about it and then we'd have to go back to court and fight custody. So we did end up, I don't remember when it was. That kind of gets a little bit further Right, down that's a couple, couple years down the road. Yeah. So with, while well, he was fighting his fight with her. Um, they were already divorced. And so they were just trying to make things work. Like they were doing that 50-50 and everything that they could. And Dave and I, that was probably about the time that we started the paperwork. Um, and then in January, Dave left for that trip and I was working on paperwork and I was cleaning houses um, in Cold Spring. So I'd have to drive through and as soon as I had that freedom of like, I'm I'm really going to take this step and we're really going to get divorced, I was a completely different woman. Um, I was happy. I, I literally felt like 500 pounds and chains and balls were off. Um, and I, I was ready to live. <laughs> I was ready to, I was ready to be Amy and not just Dave's wife and the mom to these three children. I was ready to find who out who I was. Um, so I was, it was completely random. Um, I was, I had no thought of like, all right, let's go meet a bunch of guys and jump back into the, my twenties that I, I lost, you know, um, didn't lose them, but I just, I lived differently. I lived as a 20 year old in my teens and, you know, thought I was an adult or whatever, but, sure. um, so I was driving into town early morning, radio blaring, windows open, hair blowing. I felt hot and um, like hot, hot, you know, and I was driving past Lumber One in Cold Spring. I had no idea he worked there at the time, but the Lumber One was ahead of me and the road to go to his house was on the left. And I'm like, out of nowhere, I'm like, I wonder if Luke is still single. Like, I know he got divorced. I know they were split. I wonder if he's single. Um, so... I was I was not texting and driving. I texted, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, it <laughs> yeah, it wasn't illegal." <laughs> and um, 
I just said, yeah, I just said, hey, I'm wondering how 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 you're doing, you know, how's it going, whatever. And my heart like butterflies. Like I wasn't even seeing him in person, but it was it was intense. And mind you, it was 14 years I was with the same man. So texting another one, like it it was there was a lot of emotions in there. Yeah. Um, but I I hit send and like no crap, he texted back and he's like, Life is going good, you know, how's it going for you? And I was just shocked to get it because I remember sitting <laughs> sitting at my desk at Lumber One because at that time life was just too busy. And I gave up the construction, you know, doing my own thing. So then I got a job at Lumber One and I remember sitting to this day, just sitting on my desk board because it was kind of a slow company that didn't do a whole lot. And my phone dinged and I opened it up and I was just shocked. I'm like, that smoking hot cleaning lady <laughs> texted me. You know, and at that time it was kind of lonely. I was in a town that I didn't hardly know anybody and I was just, I was shocked and I was excited. So, yeah, um, we started texting. I think we we kind of shared stories. He st- shared where, and it was all through text. I don't think we had any phone calls. Um, but he told me what was going on with him and some of the things that they were going through. And I said that Luke and I, or not Luke, Dave and I had made the final decision. And it was, it was going to, it was over. And um, yeah, we, through talking, we're like, you should come over. <laughs> and um, he, it was a couple days later, he came over after the kids were in bed. Um, so nerve wracking. It was, it was unlike anything. It was, in, it was intense. Um, I think by the time you got there, you were a couple beers in. Um, I had one, but we just, it was so like when we talk about it now, it's it was high school. We talked for hours. We sat on the couch. Um, he was in the middle, and I was like all curled up on the other side. Um, but we just talked. Um, it did feel like high school. It did. Um, I think it was. It was like two in the morning, three in the morning, maybe. And I'm like, and it, mind you, it dates back to I assume it does um, my high school years where I didn't know what he thought. Like, does he like me? And I, it was all good fun. It was, I needed, I needed a new life and a new start. And I just wanted this super hot dude to kiss me. Um, I wanted to know that he, that I was cute. So it was like. I was being the gentleman and waiting. Yes, you were. So it was like two or three in the morning. I'm like, are you going to kiss me or not? <laughs> and like you actually said that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I actually, I looked at him and I'm like. like the song says. Yes. And um, he's, he kind of like smiled and yeah, we kissed. Um, innocent, like first night, 16 year old kiss. Um, but that was, that was the start of where we, where we began. Luke, what was that like for you? Um, like you said, oh, here's this, you know, hot cleaning lady that's just texting me out of nowhere here. So now you guys are up, you know, until all hours of the morning. You know, she asks you to kiss and obviously the relationship takes off from there. What was that like from for you 
kind of circling back to each of you guys having uh, uh, first marriages where the other person kind of uh, was talking to other people, there was some cheating going on. So when it comes to trust, how did that get built in this relationship? Obviously, yeah, trust is a huge thing and going through the stuff we did uh, makes it that much tougher to gain it back. But just that whole time texting and talking to her, I could sense that, you know, she was surreal and everything she was telling me was honest and truthful. And it was exciting, too. It just felt like she said it was high school again. It was something new and something fresh and to get to learn you know, somebody's whole life history that you've never, you know, actually even talked to before. It was, it was exciting. How did you guys let all the kids know that, hey, mom, in Amy's case, dad, in Luke's case, we're seeing someone, we're dating someone. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there in situations where maybe they're divorced and they're starting to want to get back into dating and they're not really sure, well, how do I talk to my kids about it? So how did you guys do that? Hmm. Mm, okay. <laughs> this, I'll take this one. Um, we're not going to hit on a lot of people on this one. This is going to be a specific number of people that can, can get something from this part of our testimony. Um, so we, I didn't, I was still married um, so I wasn't about to tell anyone anything. Um, I, th I think Dave knew um, that I, I knew he was talking to people and I think he was doing more. Um, and so I did not feel bad whatsoever with the paperwork. Yes. So for me things. and my divorce, um, I also want to say I want like – I more than anything with my testimony, if some, someone can get something out of this, divorce is not the way to go. Um, divorce is horrible. You're ripping apart families. However, with Luke and I, I believe that we got that second chance because our first marriages, mine, I can speak for me, um, it was not, it was not a godly one. We got married in a church, but I had no idea who God was. When I married Luke, because we're married now, God was every single part of that wedding. And I will never and would never be able to divorce him. Um, I made a vow and I made it under God that that we're one. Um, when I married Dave, I did not do that. Um, I knew when I married him that I could divorce him. And and that I think is my saving grace right there that I that I know that I think that's God's little bit of grace um, that he gave me that it's okay. Um, yes, I divorced Um but I, I got a second chance. I, th I believe God gave me Luke, um, and and um, because <laughs> so we were a few months in. Um, we didn't tell anybody. Um, I would come over to his house, and this man's garage was packed um, to the gill, and he would clear out a spot so I could fit my tiny car in that garage, so nobody knew I was there. Um, and we'd spend hours together in secret for months. So it was, it was secret because we knew each other. Our exes knew each other. Um, the kids knew each other. My divorce wasn't final. Um, it was just, there was, a lot of there was, it was a crazy time. His ex, we, we didn't know what she would do. I didn't want to hurt Dave. Um, so we didn't tell, we didn't tell the kids. We, for three months about, we kind of, we were dating, on and off we um 
we just we did us um and then three months into our relationship we decided that like it was time and we like we took our relationship to the next level um and it was was fun (laughs) um we still didn't have God in our lives at this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yes, but after that happened, it was a couple weeks later, we kind of drifted. Um, when our separate ways kind of Luke had, uh, and I can let him tell it too, but he had a lot, a lot going on in his life. And I think he had, I was not the only woman after this man. Um, <laughs> he had a lot of choices. Um, but... Uh, it was like two weeks later. We had we just quit talking, and it was kind of tough because it was like Luke was a man that I never deserved. I was never deserving of someone as great as he was. So when he denied me, it it hurt. It was it was super crappy. Um, it brought back that feeling of I'm not good enough. Dave was what I was good enough for. Yeah, what led up to that? So you guys, uh, you know became intimate and shortly after that we just kind of stopped talking so what what kind of happened there that would be him <laughs> that'd be you oh I mean, it just like she said life was busy i had a lot going on with different things probably not all good and being Divorce like that, you don't like the trust issue is there, and you don't know which path you should go down, and your mind is going a hundred different, you know, miles a minute. And it's just, it was just a whirlwind of a couple short couple months, is how I can sum it up. Sounds like for you, it was like, you know, we're, we're dating, we're kind of doing everything in secret, and then we, we, we hook up. And it, to me, it almost kind of seems like, whoa, this got really real now. And maybe you weren't prepared for that. Right. So, and I was, I was um, broken in the way that like, okay, now I got to start over. Like that was super fun though. Like the adrenaline rushed the whole time. I think um, he actually said at one point, now it just came to my mind that um, I I didn't, we were on a date to the movie is like our favorite thing to do. And I was really quiet. And he brought up later when I asked like, why do you want to? go our ways split or whatever you wanted to call it and um because it's not like we were like we were dating dating but it was like a three-month courtship type thing like we were hanging out we were having a lot of fun and then we became intimate and then um it was a date after that and then when i it was like a week after that we split or whatever and he said he brought up that date. He said, you were really quiet, and I just – I don't know. I th- I think what was happening is you thought I was being weird or maybe pulling away or something. When in reality, like, I can remember that date. I remember that day. Like, if I th- – I'm sitting there right now. I can picture myself, and I can picture my thoughts, and I wasn't talking to him. I was quiet. I was drinking my drink, and I was in heaven. Like, I was – I was the happiest girl in the entire world, Um because the opposite yeah um this man like took me out on a date and i was like not deserving of it at all um so yeah we totally read it wrong um but so we split and it was it was going to be fine um i was living with a girlfriend part-time 
and she took me out. <laughs> she knew how to give me a good time. Um, had way too many drinks. I got hit on by like a 20-year-old. Like I was a MILF for, and a cougar. And I'm like, what is this world that I'm in? Because that was like the first time then since the divorce that I like got out, got out. And I was hit on and it was so awkward, but it was like cool at the same time. But we went home um, and she she was just, she was my shoulder and she was amazing um, through that time. She just totally stepped in out of the blue to be my rock. And um it was it was on Friday the thirteenth. I just felt funny, and I didn't. I ugh. I took a pregnancy test, and sure enough, I was pregnant. Um, I wasn't even divorced yet, and I was pregnant. So now, all of a sudden, I had to tell my almost ex husband that I was pregnant, and that was the last thing I wanted to do to him, because um, it was. We were best friends and we were splitting up amicably, but we were best friends and it was, I knew it was going to be a blow. And as a single mom now going to have two baby daddies, I couldn't have felt like a bigger piece of crap. Um, and then I had to tell my ex-boyfriend that I was pregnant wow. and he was going through, he was going through his divorce as well. And I knew he was, you know, mingling with others and like... We stopped dating for a reason, and now I had to tell him that, well, now you're tied to me forever. Um, there, But it, it was a crazy time after that. So unless you have any other questions, I can hit on those when God started yeah, showing let's, up. Yeah, let's get into that. Yeah, let's <laughs> get into that. How did you guys work through that? Um, so it, it was intense. It was so many emotions. Um, it hurt a lot. Um what what were your thoughts, Luke, when Amy said, "Hey, by the way, I'm <laughs> pregnant, and you're the dad." What was going through your mind? It was obviously a shock, something I obviously never would have expected in a million years. But on the flip side of that, it you know just having the short two or three months that we had together, it felt real and had, like I was. The more we talked about it and sat down and really talked about our options and what life could look like, it, that ease, you know, just set over a person. Yeah, we um, we spent a ton of time talking. So I had called. Um, I was all over the place. I I said I need to come over. I need to talk to you. And he he told me no. <laughs> he I think he thought I was going to like beg for him back. Um, so I told him over the phone. Because um, I was I was lost. I didn't know what to do. Um, and he just – if you – when you get to know Luke, he's, he's about three months behind me in emotions. And he has been our entire relationship. <laughs> um, the I love yous were three months later. The, the wanting to get married. No, I'm not. It's like literally <laughs> three months to the day. Um, so I knew knowing him that this was going to take some time for him to process. Um and it did. So he said, I, I have to go. Um, and he took that night to think about it. And I just, I went to my friends. I cried all night long. Um, I was scared. I was worried. And then the next day he called and we met up and we, like, I'm just this scared little girl going to his house and sitting on his couch on the opposite side from him. And he's, he's just like, all right, what are we going to do? And 
like I've never met more of a man than he is. Um, and he, he, he said, I don't, I don't, we're, I'm all in like, what are we, let's do this. Um, so we decided then and there that we were going to do this and, um, mind you hurdles, were not done. <laughs> we had a lot to go through, but we had a lot of long conversations. We did not immediately start dating or anything again. Um, we, we went at it as, which was not my sort of way to go about things. Like if it was me, I would have been like, all right, we love each other. <laughs> done. Mm. Let's get married. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Luke is, is not like that at all. Um, so it was a lot of long car rides, um, a lot of road trips and talking like high school, like we spent so much time road tripping and just talking and discussing what our futures looked like and stuff. Um, really building that friendship. It sounds definitely. Like. Yeah. Um, the first time I witnessed God through all of this and in, in my entire life, I'd say probably, um, cause, um, Still didn't know what I was doing. I did the church thing when I started having kids too. I, I we took them on Sunday. Um, hated it. I'd always leave horribly crabby. I hated going to church. Um, yeah, kids were always horrible. Hated it. <laughs> and um, but I was driving back home. Oh no, I was driving to Cold Spring. Luke had to go to an appointment in Painesville, and I had to go to a cleaning job in Cold Spring and. Again, I don't know another word to use except I not. Um, I prayed. I had no idea who I was praying to or what I was praying, um, if, it, if it was even the right way to pray. But I said, God, if you're there, like, give me a sign. Like, let me know that this is going to be okay. Because for me, I need, I need that instant gratification. I needed him to tell me, I love you, mm. not we'll figure this out. He needed we'll figure this out, you know, and I wanted to respect him um, because he, like I said, he was more of a man than I had ever known my entire life. And I did not want to, I didn't want to mess this up. I didn't want to hurt him in any way. Um, and this is a, it's a big blow um, going through what we were going through and then getting pregnant, like high school, first time, <laughs> like, how does this happen? Yeah. I know. And I, I, I'm, People might think differently or whatever, but it, it really was. It was our first time and it was, it was, who, it does happen. Yeah. Anyone listening, it does happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is just Holy Spirit led, right? But I think this is a, a, a good message for everyone out there just about, you know, safe sex. Yes. You know, and I, I wasn't planning on having this conversation this morning, <laughs> but, but again, the Holy Spirit is, is, is really just bringing that to the forefront here. It's just like, especially in the culture that we live, the, the hookup culture is just oh, like, yeah. man, again, it only takes one time yeah. and your life is forever changed. Yeah. And with everything that we were going through, it was literally the very last thing that we needed. Um, and we're adults. We're 30-year-olds. We knew what we were doing. We knew how to prevent it. Um, that doesn't always work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, um, but yeah, so we were driving. I knew he was going to be driving roughly around the same time. So as I'm praying, I, I can picture the exact spot on the road in Painesville um, where I was at when I started this prayer in my little white car. And I just, not knowing what I was doing, I said, show me a sign. Give me, tell me that you're real. Let me know that my life is not about to completely fall apart on me and that I'm going to be okay. The reason I never divorced any other year prior is because I never thought 
I was worthy of anything else. So here I am, pregnant, almost divorced, not with anybody, and my life is about to be ruined. Like I'm about, once people find out, I am about to be a hoe. Like I don't even know what to say there, but like what I was in high school. Um, Everybody was going to hate me. Judge you. Totally. Um, So I prayed, just give me a sign. Let me know that everything is going to be okay. And did I, I didn't expect a sign. I didn't know who this God was. I didn't know, I don't know how he works. I didn't know if he does show signs or if, if this was just crazy talk. Um, But no lie. Um, I knew he had a red truck, like it was a super hot truck. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as I was praying the next 20 vehicles were all red. Every single vehicle was red. Um, there was no getting around that God was there and he heard me and that was my sign that everything was going to be okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so we just continued on. Um, we started doing church together. We had a lot of, a lot of things that we were fighting with, um, with his ex. It It was tough. I'm surprised that um, our pregnancy lasted. It was it was extremely hard for me to be someone who needs constant um, reminders that everything's fine and that I'm a good person. To be, um, she beat us up bad, um, tore 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 apart a lot. So through all that, my ex was not not the nicest person, which. Rightfully so, because at that time, now they both knew. We, yeah, we had to tell them. You know, we obviously told them, and we told the, the kids, kids. We didn't tell them a little bit later. Another month or so. But she was doing some awful, awful things that I don't wish upon anybody. And how we made that through that and how the baby survived and the stress that she put us through, it was gut-wrenching. But at the end of the day, I guess I knew she didn't know like the kind of person she was. So I was seeing the one side of Jess that was taken over by the drugs. Whereas on the flip side of that, she is a decent, normal human being. It was just the drugs had consumed her so much and messing with her mind or whatever else the case was. It, you know, just took over her life. Yeah. So, like he said, I didn't know that one. Um, so the things that I had to deal with were um, it was it was tough because I was trying to get this man to fall in love with me. I was trying to get my ex. Um, it, ter- it it turns out that um, and I had found out after the divorce because our divorce was final in May. Um, and whole another side of testimony, if anyone has experience, I, I literally went to the courthouse with Dave. We drove together. We walked into the courtroom together. We signed our paperwork together. Um, we went out to eat afterwards, and um, we were divorced. Um, so complete opposite. Complete opposite. I was fighting. Yes. But I had found out then um, after – that he was an alcoholic. I I knew his I didn't like his drinking. Um, but there was times when I thought he was like stroking out or something on me. 
and it turns out for four years he had been he had been a closet drinker mm. and I had no idea. Um so I was fighting my own fight with that. He was going through a lot, um, finding out you know, I mean he should have had time to be able to heal from the divorce and he didn't. He had he was thrown right into our situation, as was Jess. Um so it was sad. But um so I I all of a sudden had to deal with him and drinking, which I had told him I would never stand for because after what I had to do, what I was put through with my dad and his drinking, now all of a sudden I realized full-blown that my children were going to be dealing with it as well, and that killed me. Yeah. Um, and there was a few things that he had done where I, I had to pull the children. I had to, I'd have to go check on him in the middle of the night when he had them, and I'm pregnant, and I'm going through stuff with Jess, and I'm going through emotions with him, and um, there – I. Yeah, there was several times I didn't think Axel would last because um, it was it was so stressful. It's a lot. It was a lot, um, but we kept on keeping on. Um, we went our born in December. Yeah, our big turnaround was um, his being born was tough. So we still weren't um, full believers in. It's not like we didn't believe in God, but we. We didn't care, I guess, probably would be a good way to say it. I, um, I just don't think he ever touched us. <clears throat> I, I never knew how to let him, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Axel was born, and the day we brought him home um, was a whole – Jess had had an episode um, in the driveway with the girls, but it was his baptism – because we still did all that stuff, but we just did it because it was the motion of how to do it. Yeah, so it's we were, tradition. It's, this is what you're yeah. supposed to do. Yes. Yeah. So we were at his baptism, and we were just doing life at that time. We were in love. Um, we had grown to really appreciate each other and know that this was the life that we wanted. We were learning the ins and outs of each other, and um, it was it was a good time, but it was mixed with really bad times. Um. So at his baptism, Jess wanted the girls the night before, I think. And we still had to be very careful. Um, we had had calls and messages from people in her life that were telling us what she was doing and what she was doing when the kids were with her. So I was genuinely concerned with the girls' health, um, physical and mental. And we told her no. I think it was our night or something like that. And she said, if you don't let me have them, there's something along this lines, but if you don't let me have them, I'm going to show up to baptism. And she showed up to baptism. Um, oh, I remember seeing her walk through the doors. And she wasn't clean at this time. So it wasn't it wasn't like, I. why are you worried that she's coming to church? It was, I knew she was using and I, I had no idea what she could do or what she would do. And there was plenty of scenes that she had caused um, so it was scary, um, but the girls had to go to the bathroom, um, and I knew she'd follow. So I went with them, and she followed, and um, there was a scene caused in the entryway by the bathrooms, and you can see through the whole church, and um, it was tough. And we, it was after that that Luke knew he was I, – I wasn't going to deal with this forever i had addicts in my family i have a brother i have my dad i have 
it was it's just an it's I never wanted to be involved with it. I I chose to leave those places for a reason. And then I if I kept him and the man that he is, like he wanted the best for her. He, this was the girl's mom. Like he couldn't just not um but I knew how to walk away from family. So I was at that point where it's if I um I I didn't want Jess forever um and so i had to make the choice of whether or not to stay or to be that single mom with two baby daddies and single in my 30s with four mm. children um so what we decided to do was try a different church um there was a reason that this was going on um we we got pregnant for a reason at that time in my life um everything happens for a reason that then that was that was it, um, nothing more, nothing less. It's just some reason. That was your mantra. Yeah, um, and then we came here. We came to River of Life. We we're like, let's give it a try. If if we, we're not going to lose anything, no. if anything, we'll gain, and if we don't gain, well, whatever. We didn't lose anything. And was this the first <clears throat> non-Catholic church that you guys had been to? We were Lutheran. Lutheran. So Lutheran. I was. Yep, I was born Catholic, um, but never practiced it. And then Dave was Lutheran. They grew up in the church together. <laughs> And um, so I just did that because I didn't know anything else. So I just followed Dave, and that's where we had our kids. Um, and he ended up going to that church when they first moved there, so we were already there. Sure. And then – but we knew we needed something else. Um, we just needed a change with all the stuff life was throwing at us. Yeah. So we decided to give – it was probably a last-ditch effort. We were probably on the verge of – if and he was – My biggest fear was having my – sorry – that was probably my biggest fear was having my ex at that time putting us through the ringer that she was, and then she's just going to bail, like throw her hands up and I'm out of here. I can't handle it. So that was a big fear on my part. Yeah. Yeah, and I and that's the road I was going down. Um, I was throwing up my hands. Um, Which, so rightfully so, I probably would have too. Right. Um, so then you guys come to River of Life. <laughs> First non-Lutheran church that you guys have been to. So what was it like coming to the first service here? Um, intense. Um, we had been told about this church for a while. Um, but it was always, you know, like, don't go there. There's crazy happy people there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I'm like, let's just try it. Like, why not? We only, we only have so many options here. Um, so we came and... You said Adam was speaking, but I swore it was Denny, but I probably – okay. There was three weeks that we came in a row and bawled at every single one of them, kind of sat towards the back, kind of just listened um, and cried. He, They spoke to us at every single one. Denny was my big one um, because he he was – he looks – he doesn't look like my dad, but he's got that, that dad – feel he's yeah. got the gray hairs that he's fatherly got the, presence yes very much so so i felt like i want you to be my dad so when he was talking i listened like i really listened and all of a sudden the things that he was saying um and the way he was relating it to the bible but yet life it clicked it's like oh the bible's like a book you can read like oh there's like stuff in the bible that relates to life it's not just a crazy book. 
Um, and I, I, I wish we could probably go back and see what he was preaching about at those times, but it all hit on our life and what we were going through and what was happening. Got a life story. It was, um, and we, we never looked back. We started coming. We talked to Denny a little bit, um, started becoming involved, um, and like, um, those first couple of the tears and everything the, was real, but the, the thing that I had no idea about was like the tingles and just the, I don't even like your heart just opens and you just like, you're just clean is kind of how I explain it. Um, you're just washed. I don't know. And I could never explain that until Denny talked one time on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I. Although I was like, okay, crazy. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about, but it made sense. And as soon as I was able to um, take all that in, the Holy Spirit has, yeah, he's been with me since the day I walked through this door and opened my eyes to everything. Praise God. Yeah. Luke, what was that like for you uh, coming to River of Life? So like I said before, we've gone to church since I was, you know, a wee little kid, but never really got anything out of it. Um, but yeah, coming that first service and the way Denny and Adam related to, like, he, like they were literally in our back pockets for the last however many months relating to our life story and what we've gone through and what we're up against and the challenges that we faced. And yeah, just the tingling and knowing that the Holy Spirit is with you and you just got to open up your heart and... Let him work his magic, and he will. So Jesus finally became real to you guys. So real. It was so real and so, such an eye-opener. I went yeah. um, from that everything happens for a reason to everything happens the way God wants it to happen. Um, and coming to that final understanding that you don't – I feel like I'm repeating my testimony with the church, but you don't you don't have to be miserable every single day. You as as soon as you change your mindset, and I didn't change my mindset. God changed my mindset. Um, God gave me the grace to realize that um, life is supposed to be so good. Like you're supposed to be so happy. Um, it's my life. Yeah, it's it's extremely a different life. I still we have challenges. Um, life still sucks sometimes, but it's so good. Um, it's so good. I wouldn't give up any day. I've been able to um, – forgiveness was a big thing with all of this. Um, when we decided that we are going to love each other forever, um, I needed to decide that I was going to take Jess forever, um, and that was ex that was extremely hard. I'm not a forgiving person. I can hold a grudge like no other. Um, you can ask my husband. <laughs> He's a stubborn I, German. I'm stubborn. And Polish on top of it. But the other thing about God and is that – he he's okay with me being like that. Would he prefer me to? He he's got. He gives me grace. He's working on you, right? He is, and he allows me to see that. Baby he, stuff. yeah. Mm -hmm. I if you would have told me that I was stubborn before, I would have told you to shove it, like whatever. But now it's like, oh, I see that. I need to work on that. Yeah, and that's God, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's only God that can really open up your heart and your mind to kind of see that. 
oh yeah, I have a flaw, but just because yeah. I have a flaw doesn't mean I'm a horrible person yeah. and that I need to hide in shame. It I just means that, it. yeah, I just need you to fix me, Jesus. Yes. I need to let you help in and, 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 and help me. And, you know, speaking of help, obviously <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is the ultimate helper. Jesus yes. is is the ultimate help, but the role that the church played in your guys' relationship, and I'm not even, you know, saying church in the sense of, you know, this building, although I know it's been a, a blessing to you guys, I'm talking about just the people, the body of Christ, right? It sounds like that played a huge role in your guys' marriage and, and in your guys' faith journey as well, because yeah. here's you guys coming to church with with all these kids. You guys weren't uh, married at the time, right? And, but, you know, living together and, and, you know, doing life together. And I think that there was probably some quote unquote Christians that if they would have found that out, they would have like, well, you're not welcome here. Right. Like, you know, right. that's not how we, how, how you're supposed to live. And they would judge you. They would shame you. They condemn you. They would do all this stuff. And it sounds like instead of that, you guys just received love. You received grace. You received just an open invitation to come as you are. None of us are perfect here. It was mm-hmm. insane. Um, for our wedding, we I invited family first. Um, although you know, family life's tumultuous; it's different; it's not normal. Um, but above all else, you want your family there, right? Um, we had a we had the best wedding ever. Um, yeah, but it let's, was small. let's let's pause it right there. At what point did? You guys start talking about marriage. Luke, at what point did you pop the question oh, that, yes, we're going to actually. actually commit our lives to each other? So like she said before, she's always, what was it, three months ahead of me? Yes. So that would have been, when did I go to Africa? Well, we when we started coming to the church, it was like September, okay? And um, it, it was about a month after we started coming, Denny started talking about missions. And I knew a family in Dave's family who moved, found a church, became missionaries, uprooted their life and moved away. And I'm like, crazy, crazy, crazy. Like, you guys are bad crazy. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but from the outsider's perspective, I had no idea what was going on. And then all of a sudden, Denny started talking about missions. And it was to build in South Africa a Bible college. Mind you, we are three weeks into our faith. All we know is that there is a God and this there is something greater than us and what we're going through. And that um so he started talking about this and I looked at Luke and I'm like, You're a carpenter. Like this is you. And if if you ever speak with Luke, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get that. Um it's his purpose that um and that's something new uh, that we realize now that every there's a God's got a purpose for everyone. I had no idea that was a thing, but it is so true. And talking with Luke, um, it's amazing to see his purpose um, come through. But so I look at him, I'm like, you're going to do a missions trip. Like, oh, my goodness. Um, We were still just in the lovey stage. Axel was a baby. Um, We weren't engaged. We weren't married. Um, Although I wanted to be (laughs) because, mind you – yeah, I was I was a mom and I was supposed to be a wife and I I knew I was never going to let go of that and as I was getting to know God I I was getting to know that it was his purpose for me as well. Um but yes, so then we were talking about it. Go I'm ahead. Done. I'm done. Your turn. <laughs> so yeah, she was pushing the marriage thin and obviously it crossed my mind a few times, but 
you know, that trust issue is huge. Being through the ringer one time and yeah, you didn't know if you wanted to be ever wanting to do it again. I was kind of on the fence, and then uh, so we went to South Africa on the missions trip, and I just prayed about it and prayed some more, and just that overall experience over there is something like no other. So if you ever get a chance to go on a missions trip, I highly recommend it. I just continued to pray about it and listen to Jock and some of the stuff he had to say about different things in life. And so coming home, then I knew that I wanted to marry her and ask her. So how'd you do that? So we were there in March, right before COVID, we got, luckily got to come home. And then uh, it had been the following summer, we went on a vacation to North Carolina to see her brother and we left the kids at the VRBO and walked onto the beach, and that's where I asked her. <laughs> As the waves were 10, 20-foot yeah. waves crashing on shore, <laughs> we were sitting on the steps going down to the ocean. And Yeah, it was crazy. It was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. It was dark. We were going to walk the beach all romantic and no children. At this time, we had um, all six children full-time. Dave still got um, the Johnsons. But we had um, Addie and Cora full time, um, so it was it was a busy time in our lives with all of them. And when you took off to South Africa, I had all six. Um, but yeah, when we were we so we couldn't walk the beach. We were sitting on this thing. I don't even. Yeah, well, it doesn't go out. It's just the steps, but it's huge. Um, but the waves were crashing. When you're there during the day, there was like. 30, 40 feet of sand. And all of a sudden we go this night and these waves are crashing in to the steps. They're crashing into the sandbags. And it, like literally if we would have taken one wrong step, we would have died. <laughs> but it was it, the only thing we could think about is how massive our God is and how tiny, like mm. you don't know how tiny you are in this bigger picture yeah. until you're just at the mercy of the world and God's creation. Um, but yeah, he he asked me there, and I said yes without even seeing a ring. I didn't dare take it away. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I, I swear, it, it been gone. gone. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I swear, I have a ring, and I'm like, I don't care. Like, yes, I'll marry you. Yeah, awesome. And so you you talked about the wedding earlier, how God was just at the center of of the Ugh. whole thing, and so talk to us about that. What was the wedding day like? Amazing. Um, oh. Uh, just to back up a little bit in case anybody can relate to it if you want is um, I had always spent my life with my children as well wondering when they were going to start dating. When are they going to lose their virginity? What is their teen years going to – are they going to be popular? Um, so I spent a lot of time – not a lot of time, but as a mom, I wondered those things. And as we came to the church um, and then we started taking our classes and doing – because we – we weren't going to take no from for an answer to have Denny marry us. We did know that um, there are cer certain circumstances. Um, we are divorced. Um, we're not. It's not like it's something we're proud of, but it is. It is our life and it is our story. And yeah. it's amazing um, that we had the opportunity to have that past life because I believe more than anything that Luke mm -hmm. and I are going to. We love each other better because of our past circumstance, because of our past. Um, and that's an extreme blessing to be able to know that. Um, but we had, we decided to um, abstain our last month, like 
like old school stuff. Like who does this? Like he had to move out, mm-hmm. and like we. More than yeah. a month, wasn't it? I don't remember. It felt like totally. ten years, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was insane, and it was something I even going up to that point. I'm like, nobody does this. Like, how how was this even cool? It was, wasn't even cool. Um, but once we got into it, and we kind of understood. Um, I feel like I'm getting to the point in my faith where I can no longer say like I'm still learning, <laughs> but I do, and it's and I love still learning. And we're we're all still learning. Yes. I've been saved for like 12 stop years, learning. and it's you never stop learning, I, which is the best part of it, yep. honestly. Right. Um, but I when we talked to Denny and we said like yeah. We yeah we can do that. We're not, I don't want anybody else to marry us, so we have no choice. <laughs> like, like let me just keep these six children and you move in with <laughs> your friend. Like this will be great. Um, but then we wrote a letter. Um, we wrote a letter to our children about why. And I'm I'm the type of mom that um, it is what it is. You don't ask me questions. You you do as you're told. Um, I'll explain things here or there. He's the complete opposite. Him and Jess were the type of parents that explained absolutely everything. Um, and I wasn't. Um, so we we took the time to write a letter about why we were choosing to abstain and why we were choosing to because ultimately it could not be Denny telling us you have to. It had to be us saying we want to. Yeah. Um and and we did. We came to that that decision and we wrote this big old letter that they'll get when they're older. Um to tell them why, but I, it was a blessing. It, like Denny did it for us, but God was doing it for my children mm. because I all of a sudden got to look at it and no longer was I looking at Connor like, oh, is he, is he going to, you know, meet a girl and be the popular kid or is he going to be a loser that never loses his virginity, which how crazy to think that way, you know, like you're a loser if you don't, but it was, it's, it was it's, my world. Yeah. It's the worldly way of looking at things, yeah. right? Um. So all of a sudden, I don't, I don't want, like I, we gave dating ages, like you're not dating until you're 16. I, I don't want you touching anyone. And it was, it, it feels so, I don't, I don't feel like that crazy Christian, cause that was the crazy Christian that thought like that back in the day, you know? Um, but now we have values for our children and we have values for ourselves and we have expectations and we know they're going to still choose their path, but God gave us that grace that yeah you guys did it different but let's let's start it over let's let's do it over right now um and we did we did it over being raised in a church like this is going to be leaps and bounds above what we had because they love coming here every week every wednesday they love it yeah so yeah so you guys wrote uh those letters to the kids and uh, kind of back to the wedding day denny did marry you yeah um i believe you guys had an outdoor wedding as well so yeah talk us through how did jesus show up in that day oh my goodness okay so there's gonna be a lot you're gonna have to backtrack me all the time um we took a week we went and bought got a vrbo up in cross lake minnesota and we spent a week up there with the kids um it was just us and our kids and our friends the first four days through Thursday, and then we invited everybody else. Um, we wanted a wedding between 75 and 100 people. We wanted a weekend um, just with games. We, uh, we're completely about family. We're completely about our kids. Um, they're with us everywhere. So it was um, Friday. I mean, we set up 
everything. We had chairs. We had a tent. Um, music was just on our phones. Um, my cake was cookies from holiday. They're my favorite. <laughs> um, uh, simple. Volleyball net, bean bags, boats. Um, yes. So I had no idea who was going to come. I had, I had, like I said, I had invited my family. Um, my best friend had backed out of being my maid of honor. And just for personal reasons, she's um, she's very much a homebody. So I knew it was scaring the crap out of her. So she decided to opt out. And so I asked my little sister. Um, growing up, she was we were always together. Um, and she agreed. But, like, I honestly the entire time was waiting for her to not show up at, like, each little thing. It was very nerve-wracking. Um, and then some stuff had gone down. My dad was getting sober throughout this time and there was a lot of things going on with the family and trust and whatever. It was crazy. So I had asked, um, my sister, my older sister, whom like, I've always looked up to her, but it, it literally is just completely different lifestyle. She loves differently than I do. And we just, we don't love the same. So we're just different. But I still wanted her at my wedding, um, and I asked her several times if she was going to make it. Her family is quite large as well, so it takes up a lot of space. Um, and finally, she told me, "Just invite your friends, because my husband, like, they might be fishing or something that day." So I did. So I dropped it. I let it go. The one great thing about God's grace is that I. I know they love me. They just love me differently. Um, and that's okay. Um, it's okay to not think I need everything the way that I need it. And that's has saved so many emotions. Um, so we extended the invitation into life group members. Um, our church is our family. But, it, you know, you, you get those feelings like – we barely know them. Um, I know they love us during group and they have our backs, but these, these people aren't going to travel for our wedding. So I was nervous. This was the happiest day of my life. I literally was marrying my soulmate and I was literally stepping in front of God to do it. Um, and I wanted to show that to people, but living the life that I had lived, I knew people didn't believe in me and whatever. So it was heartbreaking to think that um, because of me, nobody was going to show up to our wedding. And him and his family are very close, so I knew they'd be there. But um, the day of the wedding, we like it was it was all our church people that were there. Wow! Didn't come up on Thursday, though. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot of fun. <laughs> but it, our church showed up um, wow. during the ceremony. I am a complete gift giver. Um, my love language is gifts. FYI. <laughs> Um, but, um, I had planned, um, from the, like Addie, um, our oldest daughter has a beautiful voice. She's, it's going to be fun watching her grow, but she asked if she could sing during the wedding. Little girls, like, cool. they want to dance. They want to sing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I can't just let you sing at the wedding, you know? Um, like karaoke style is what I'm picturing yeah. as she's talking to me. She's 12 going on the boat. 16. She was 11. But yes, she is my my little helper. She helps run the household. Um, but so I thought about it and I'm like, how can we make this work? Because like you're our everything. And all of a sudden it, 
hit me and I got on the phone with Ashley Benoit like in a second and I'm like, Ashley, you you gotta help me with this. Because I asked her, and mind you, I only know Ashley from church. These people have become my family and I barely know them, mm-hmm. but they're my family. It's insane. Um, but I called her and I said, We gotta do something. Like Addie wants to sing. What about singing during the like the unity? time or whatever and she's like oh my goodness (laughs) so we came up with this plan and um Mm. addy was going to sing during the wedding and not karaoke style she was i'm gonna sing with ashley so our unity was also extremely special um luke made a puzzle type board that had nine pieces nine pieces um yep and all the kids, it all wraps together, I swear. <laughs> each all, kid had a piece. Each kid had a piece. Luke and I had a piece. And um, Pastor Denny had a piece. And the cross in the middle. Yep. They all, we all wrote our vows, to, a vow to our family on cool. the back of them. And during, so that was like our sand ceremony or whatever. And we all walked to the side, read those pieces to each other, put them on. Denny finished the puzzle with the cross in the middle. And then Addie, like, this whole time is like, I got to go, I got to go. And Luke has no idea what's going on. And this is his little girl. So I knew it was going to be, like, amazing. And she takes off. And, like, we're all in, like, bare feet. I think that was my favorite. The guys all had shoes on, but I think me and the girls all were barefoot. I think I walked (laughs) down barefoot. Um, But she runs over to Ashley. And when I heard them practicing, um, I would cry. Like, ever since finding God, I cry all the time. But it's, like, good cries. Um, (laughs) And so when she went over, I expected to hear Ashley totally because in practice I did. Um, They only got together like once or twice. Um, Addie had not – there was like a song she wanted, but I couldn't remember. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to do this, I get to pick the song. And his favorite song is um, How Great Thou Art, right, Mm -hmm. by Carrie Underwood, that version at Christmas time or whatever. Like it'll bring him to his knees. And – so I told her that's the song you're doing, and she of course had no objections. But she ran over there, and I'm like pulling Luke to like walk and watch, and he's like, "What? What are you doing? Like, what are they no doing?" Idea. No, and all of a sudden, Addie is standing by Ashley, and Ashley like doesn't sing at all, and it's all Addie, and yeah, it was in- it was intense. What was so, it? What was that like for you, Luke, seeing little Addie sing? Oh, that song? definitely surprised, of course, but just the tears and the emotion, just her being able to sing on that special day was absolutely amazing. And of course, the tears are flowing like no other. And then at the end of the ceremony or whatever, like afterwards, all my big burly buddies were all sobbing. I think the whole crowd was probably crying. So it was definitely a good surprise. Yeah. Wedding was a family affair. Loved how you guys included all the the kids and oh, they you were know, everywhere. My son walked me down the aisle. My oldest son. Oh, that yeah. is awesome. And Axel like was walking in front of us, and he was showing us things while Denny was doing our vows. And there was kids everywhere. <laughs> the the craziest part, I think, that just really sealed it that this is life. Your purpose is to have a family, and your purpose is to love. Um, was at the end the. The whole place bust into a conga line. Like, <laughs> like we didn't walk down and congratulate or go under um, rice or anything crazy. The music kind of started. Oh, 
that was a good song. I forgot what song that was. We had a very upbeat, um, inappropriate very song fun. at the end, but it was it was so good. It had a story behind it, but every bus everybody busted into a conga line. Yeah, it's the Wilson way. It, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. So then, kind of tying all this up to bring it full circle, we mentioned before, alluded before to the custody stuff. So tell us what oh happened with that. Yes. So it um, going through all this, they we while she was still while Jess was still using, um, we were able to get it so that Luke had full custody, full um, all legal rights, all physical rights. Jess had nothing. Um, it we had we were writing down everything. We were not the the hard part for Jess was to see that. We, she thought we were hurting her. We were doing it because we wanted to be better or we wanted to be, yeah, better than her, um, better mm-hmm. parents or whatever. Um, so she was seeing it that way where we were seeing it that I don't want my, I don't want our children to be abused. I don't want them to lose their life or their innocence because you need a hit. Um, it, it was, it was very um, scary. Um, so th- they did mediation. I was not involved, uh, able to be involved with any of it because I was, uh, we weren't married. Um, and so he had to do it on his own and coming in, Luke was very, um, he, he just wanted peace. He was a man that just wanted peace. And I was a woman who wanted right. Um, so it, it that's what it took. It did. If I, yes, open her eyes to, yes. So I said, if you keep giving her money, if you keep giving her what she wants, she will never change. Nothing will ever change. Like I I know this. And so I pretty much had to put my foot down with him. Um, If you're going to keep supporting her and her habits and putting the girls through this stuff, like I'm leaving, like I can't do it. Um, I did it my whole life and I'm not going to continue. I walked away from my own family. I am not going to sit here for yours. Um, and so we did – he did the mediation. He went by himself. I was extremely worried about what the outcome was going to be, um, but he he held his own. Um, he proved his points, and um, her custody was removed, and she was sent to a treatment, an inpatient, and she was not allowed to talk to the girls until she completed that treatment. Um, fast forward like six months or so. It was It was tough, but it was – the best six months of our lives. Um, we didn't have to deal with phone calls and screaming and swearing um, that the girls would hear and have to listen to. The girls would ask here and there. Um, but being the type of person that I am, I think, helped because I'm, I'm not an explainer. It is what it is. Um, your mom's going to call. She loves you. And she'll call when she's better um, and when she's not so mean, you know. Um, and she did. And then there was just a little bit of fighting in the and after she finished her program, um, there's a little bit of rough stuff going on there. But it was it was about a full year later she had to start on a plan. And and mind you, I don't. Um, she has said multiple times she speaks with her uh, past probation officer a lot, and nobody has ever seen anything like this. Um, we are we are a rare case, I believe, and I believe that it's that way because Luke never gave up on her. Um, he was never going to take his children away from their mother. And I never wanted to either. I wanted the girls to love me. 
Um, but I, and I want them to love me like equally. We're, we're not step. Um, I hate that word. I know it does work with some families very well and they love it. But for us, I am not their stepmom. I am their mom. Um, Luke is not their stepdad. He is their dad. Um, so the, and the kids agree. We got extremely blessed with, um, blending so early, but, um, she, something just clicked and we've talked a few times. Um, but like, and she had said it just, she just had to let go. She just, did she want to see her kids mm -hmm. once a week? Did she want to do a step by, she had a, a step program. She, yep. it was well, visitation very, for very three months, but it was a two year program before she'd get the kids back to 50, 50. Um, and there was a lot of trust to gain, but all of a sudden one day she just did it. And for me, um, it was like, this ain't real. Um, this is her faking it until she makes it and it's going to be horrible. And just, or date Luke, <laughs> how many? It's like, I'm naming off my children. <laughs> right. Um, he, he said like, no, I think it, I think it's real. Like, but that then came back to me having to trust that Jess was a normal human being at one time that did have a caring yeah. heart. Cause he didn't know her before I that. No, right. like that was not the one that I knew. Um, she successfully completed. We worked together with very few hiccups. Um, we had to have a lot of communication to get to that point because um, she she hated me for a very long time. Um, she thought that I was the cause of all this, which, I mean, I kind of was. But also now when we're able to look back on it, she can see all the – She I think she loves herself so much now. Um, and it's really – it's great to see. So – we we told her like the at the end of the program at the end of this mediation agreement she would get her custody back and um that was crazy we did speed up a few steps because it was longer than it needed to be she's been sober for 2 years she's been proving herself she's been working really hard um the girls are safe we feel safe she's listened to everything we've asked um doesn't give us a hard time and so in January of this year, we were supposed to start paperwork to get her her custody back. And if you have ever fought with an addict, um, you know, for one, that they're almost always going to relapse. And in almost any situation, you know, an addict that relapses. Um, so that was hard for me because I'm like, we, we signed these over and we're done. We're yeah, we've been told multiple times that this doesn't happen. This The father doesn't get to talk to her probation officer. The father doesn't get to request drug tests whenever he wants. The father doesn't get to just pick them up and do it. But we did. We had all those rights to do. She was like our child. She had to do what we said. Um, no, it must have worked. Yeah. And I think it, the, I think God was on his side um, because he didn't abuse it. He was doing it because he loved her. And yeah. he loved that she was the mother to the, his children. Um, and he loves his children. Um, so... It was extremely busy. We were starting a company. Life was hectic. We told Jess we were working on it, which we were, but it kept getting pushed back and it kept getting pushed back. And she's like, it's about this time that I, I believed that she did like me, like that it was going to be okay. Um, so we were honest with her. Um, we wanted it to go through our attorney. We didn't want this to be willy-nilly. We needed her to know that um, it's true. And it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, custody back is humongous and it's forever. 
Um, so we had several meetings. Um, we do Christmases kind of together. <coughs> Went through the attorneys. We all agreed on it. Um, and because I mean, we had to start over. Like with Dave and I, we don't have we don't have any formal thing. We have the kids fifty fifty. He pays for this. I pay for this. Otherwise, it's whatever we want. Um, we don't have to worry about it. We trust each other. It's crazy easy. But with Jess, it's not easy. Um, we had to have specific days, specific times, specific locations. Because the second something would get off, it could be a fight. So we had to be very mindful of that. Um, and we were. We thought through every possible situation because we wanted to leave no stone unturned. We wanted to know what we could be faced with and that we trusted each other with. It's just black and white. just is what it is. Um, and came to the con final conclusion, and it was on Easter. So Jess knew we were working on it, um, and she gave us months of working on it, um, which was sad that it, it took so long, but it, we were extremely busy. But um, I – being like, I love people that cry. Like, I love giving a gift that makes people cry. And I'm like, let's make her cry. It's going to be great. <laughs> and we, she started, after we started coming to this church, the exes started coming to this church. So we are all, yes, that's wow. a big part too. We are all in this church together. Yeah. Dave was behind <laughs> us last week. And yeah, Jess Jump is usually somewhere close. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. But so we asked, Again, a bunch of life group members. I we're not too involved in her life, um, where she lives, but I I know certain people that she knows. So I reached out to them, and I said, I need you guys here. Like we got Jess's paperwork to sign, and you need to be here. Um, and we reached out to our friends, and um, on Easter Sunday, of all Sundays, of all Sundays, um. We had it all planned. Like she was sitting behind us. She was just sitting like right behind us and her friend was with her and they were getting um, – like her sponsor was here. Um, her, her boss, boss who had a here. lot to do with it, her sobriety was here. And um, now she works at the same place she got – Help. Help. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, Good for her. Yeah. Shout out to Jess for putting in the work. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's had a lot of work. Um, but – uh, it was packed back here. We had a whole bunch of people. We had the papers Ashley notarized for us. So she was waiting back here and um, just walked through and saw with her friend and saw all these people. And immediately she had no idea what was going on. No idea. And um, it was it was extremely powerful and it was amazing. And she signed her paperwork to get custody back of her girls. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Only God. Yeah. There's another twist, though. Uh, not all the paperwork was signed that day. <laughs> so so she actually did not get them back on Easter. Um, but with God, that God, man, he um, she signed the final paperwork on Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Man. Like you, like you said, this, this doesn't happen. Your guys' story, like in general, doesn't happen, let alone the, the relationship with the exes and, and, and the custody and everything. Like, again, only God could have done what he's done through, through your guys' story. It is so 
mind blowing. I, I, I work as a marriage and family therapist. I don't see this happen. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this happen. You guys, I've never met anybody. Yeah. You guys are like an anomaly, but man, it, it to me, it, it all started with you guys just surrendering over to Christ and just saying, yeah. Hey, your will be done, not ours, your will yes. be done. And that's, that's the way it should be right. As Christians that we need to be living how uh, God wants us to be living and, and doing what he wants us to do and just being obedient to it instead of being like, nah, I think I'll just do it this way. Yeah. Right. Your guys' obedience has has just shown so many breakthroughs and 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 making the impossible possible. And I think another thing that stands out to me throughout your guys' story is the word grace. Mm-hmm. You know, grace, I've heard a pastor say that grace. Yeah, you got grace. it tattooed on, on your <laughs> forearm right there. Very fitting, very perfect yes. for for you and 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 for the marriage. I heard a pastor say that grace is undeserved love and the power to transform. That's what your guys' story is. You guys, especially when it comes to the undeserved love, Amy, for you, always just wanting that love, just someone to love me for me, and the power to transform, the power to transform both of you guys. You know, with with the struggles that you had, you know, the drinking and 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 the drugs and 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 the the rebelliousness and and just the trauma that you've gone through with with past relationships, he's he's transformed you guys. You guys are a new creation. When you said yes, oh, yes. to him, you became a new creation, and it's it's just I don't have words to describe how awesome it is to hear you guys share your story. To close this all out. My last question for each of you is, as you look back at the goodness of God, especially over these last couple of years, but over your whole life, what comes to mind? I shouldn't, I don't think I should even be here. Like God's grace, I'm able to look back now and see that God has had me when I was a teenager, when I was going through all those years of marriage, like he was just waiting. He was just. He was just in the back seat. He just knew I wasn't there. Um, I, I believe fully that he gave me. I I know that divorce is a sin, and I I don't wish it upon anyone. And I wish I didn't have to do it, but I did. And I'm so thankful that God gave me that grace. And he gave me Luke, and he gave me my family. He gave me everything that I deserved. That I don't believe I. I did deserve, and I still learn every single day that I am deserving of it. Um, thankfully, the Beatitudes that Pastor Denny has been going through tell me every weekend that I am good enough for it, and I am deserving of it. Um, all that glory goes to God. Um, I love being able to look back, and I, I can forgive, and I can I can have that clean slate and that clean heart, and life life's challenges are never going to stop. Uh, the difference now is that I can see them. I can see the devil work. I know when he's attacking me and why he's attacking me. Um, and I just, I get that time to overcome it. Um, life is really good. I think the biggest challenge is just opening up your heart and just surrendering to him. And until you truly do that, I don't think you see every positive thing that he has planned for your life but it's it's a challenge because it obviously doesn't happen overnight and it's comes back to that trust thing but i think that's a big hurdle to get over is trusting his plan for you trusting his problems and whatever life is thrown at you that he's got your back and everything will be okay 
Yeah, it reminds me of the verse in Romans 8.28, uh, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that's you guys, right? Like he's worked throughout every detail of your life, and he knew that eventually you guys would love him. And now he knows that you guys will continue to love him. And as much as he's done in you guys right now, I I strongly believe he's just going to keep doing more. I I see you guys speaking at like marriage conferences and, you know, just being mentors to uh, people that are trying to blend their families together. Like you guys are a power couple and God is going to use you in ways that you never would have ever possibly imagined or dreamed of. And it's been an honor to to sit with you guys here and to just hear your story. Thank you for being gracious with your time. And uh, I'm excited for people to listen to this. You guys are awesome. Thank you for, having, for having us. us. It's been fun. What a testimony. Luke and Amy's story really is God's grace, love, and restoration at work. And like we talked about, this just doesn't happen. This is super rare. To have a remarried couple be on such good terms with both their exes after going through issues of unfaithfulness and addiction with them is nothing short of amazing. And what stands out to me is how blessed their children are because of their parents' ability to forgive and love each other. For them to see their parents interact with each other so well and have consistency across all their homes will help them continue to develop into the strong world changers they're called to be. I've seen Amy, Luke, their exes, and all their kids sit together in church, and man, it's such a beautiful portrait of God's transformation in their lives. Like Amy and Luke said, divorce sucks, and in most cases, it's not the answer. But their story goes to show that even if you have been divorced or are currently going through one, God's love for you never changes, and He does work all things for good. If you have any questions about Luke and Amy's testimony you'd want to hear them answer, send me a DM on social media at the Testimonies with Terry Facebook page or Instagram at TWTerryPod. You can also use the hashtag AskTWT. That's it for this week's episode. I'll be back again next week with another testimony. So in the meantime, make sure you're living life in such a way that glorifies God and kicks Satan's butt. Peace.